Blog Talk Radio. Kane is in the building. Hollywood cold, I'm with Molly G, bro, flying Holly Grove chicks to my Hollywood shows, and I want to tell you something that you probably should know, this that slumdog millionaire Bollywood flow, and uh, my real friends never hearing from me, fake friends write the wrong answers on the mirror for me, that's why I pick and choose, I don't get you confused, I got a small circle, I'm not with different crews, we walk the same path, but got on different shoes, live in the same building, but we got different views I got a couple cars I never get to use Don't like my women single I like my chicks and twos And these days All the girls are down the road I hit the strip club And all them bitches find the pole Plus I've been sipping So this shit is moving And good afternoon everybody It's Tuesday afternoon 6 o'clock Tuesday evening To be exact Here on the 19th day Of course of May I'm Rich Yalvin Alongside the coach Eugene Benton for another solid, three solid hours of Southern Sports Central here on Blog Talk Radio. We've got a loaded show here today. We're going to be joined early by SoCon John. He is uh, another voice that you hear on the show on a regular basis. Remember, he's hosted it with me here before. And uh, due to the fact there's been, well, a little bit of this and a little bit of that going on, he uh, kind of took some time away for the basketball. This was back in about December, right? December or November. And uh, at that point, of course, uh, everything kind of went haywire. But uh, SoCon John, of course, focuses on, well, the Southern Conference. Get that with the SoCon part of his first name. And again, uh, he's going to kind of check in with us on this breaking news from Furman University. They have discontinued uh, two sports. One of those is, uh, of course, lacrosse. The other one is baseball. Baseball, of all things, they're going to do away with baseball. That's kind of shocking to me with the Southern Conference having so much rich tradition in that spring sport across that conference. It's uh, very ironic, very unusual, and uh, not exciting news coming out, of course, uh, of the Furman area up there in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. We've got a loaded show, as I mentioned today, of course. Uh, that's going to be sometime here in the next few minutes. So, John, we'll check in early here at 6 o'clock, and then – well, we're going to check in with our buddy from Charlotte. He will check in and uh, kind of give us a, a rundown on uh, what's going on in his life. You know, again, uh, we're talking about the gentleman that was a former player, of course, with, uh, well, multiple teams, and one of those was uh, Penn State. And uh, Mr. Walker is going to join us. Reginald Walker will join us at 6.30. Then at 7 o'clock, at 7 o'clock, uh, we're going to get in here. Uh, with the guys from the upstate up there at the Blitz. Uh, They're going to check in with us and kind of give us a rundown on this upcoming combine that's going to be taking place in July. Now, that one will be in Greenville, will be in Columbia, in Charleston, and in Myrtle Beach. So we're going to get all the news and the notes, and anything that you need to know will be kind of released at that time. Now, again, that'll be at 7 o'clock, and then Coach Schmidt is going to join us, of course, from Manning, South Carolina. He's the head football coach and athletic director from C.E. Murray. He'll check in. Uh, from that side of the world. Now, he's been doing a lot of things, not coaching football, but handing out meals. Yep, check that box. He's been doing that in fashion. He's been taking care of that community. We're going to talk to him about, well, some of the fun stuff that he's been a part of up there in Manning and, of course, uh, 
kind of get some thoughts and opinions from him about when they may get back to the field, be it, of course, the weight rooms, the practice fields. And so I know June 1st is kind of the target date, but is it a realistic date? Then at 8 o'clock, we get in here with, uh, well, a, a gentleman that has blessed us on many occasions, and it's the commissioner of uh, the Big South. Uh, you know, commissioner uh, will join us there from the Big South, and that's going to be a lot of fun because he'll kind of talk to us about the forecast and how things have been for him and his staff as they, of course, had to shut everything down in the sports world for the spring season. But how are they gearing up for the upcoming season? All right, so that. Uh, will, of course, be uh, talked about with Mr. Callender, and he will kind of get into some other things, hopefully, that uh, we'll have some questions for him around 8 o'clock. And then at 8.30, this is a last-minute edition coming in from Andrew, South Carolina. Of course, uh, Coach Durham is the head football coach, but he's also the athletic director for Andrews High School, the Yellow Jackets in South Carolina. Uh, he'll join us at 8.30. So that's kind of how the list looks long. And, of course, uh, I will bring in Eugene and say uh, – Good afternoon, my friend. I know I'm here in Somerville. You're all the way over there in North Charleston. But uh, either way, man, it's a great day to be alive and do what we get to do, buddy. Oh, yeah, man. It's been an exciting day. Um, I'm sure you've seen some of the stuff on social media. Uh, we started out this morning with uh, some training with some kickers. And, uh, you know, once once we got it nailed down with some of the competitions throughout the country these guys were doing, we had a great lesson. Uh did some did some things today. Brought in a couple of uh, brought in a snapper and and did some holding. Uh, training some guys with holding. We you know took out the disinfected wipes, the wipes on the balls and all that stuff. Since guys were quote unquote sharing equipment, but you know just trying to be safe. And uh, had a special uh, uh, an assistant today with a former USC kicker Elliot Fry, and he was kind of showing the guys, hey, this is how you know guys at the next level, not high school but college and, and pro level like uh, like to you know, like their holders to hold the ball. And that was pretty cool. You know, he got down there and showing those guys some stuff and, you know, take some 61, 62 yarders is kind of a show to watch. But then uh, as soon as it was over, one of uh, one of my guys that, you know, you, you mentioned that uh, that bowl game with Coach Schmitty, you know, he's going to be trying out for that game. And uh, as soon as we got done with that, he received a letter that he got his national invite to the – it's like the, the, the end-all, be-all, the final four of kickers throughout the country – and that'll be in July in Wisconsin. And uh, the letter says that, um, which we, we kind of knew going in, you know, that was kind of the, the golden ticket, uh, that he would be, every kick he makes will be filmed and sent out to every college in America. Uh, that's something that Coles does as part of their recruiting packages. And, uh, you know, he, he has a chance to compete against the number one guys like himself all throughout the country. And you know, it was just, it was a very exciting uh, letter to receive. He's super pumped. His parents, up to his parents, and many, many others. And uh, you know, he, he's got so many big colleges on his mind and his dream school. I know is Ohio State. Being an Ohio State fan, his dad went to Ohio State. His grandparents went to college in Ohio. And uh, you know, it was just—it was just an experience seeing his face and you know, seeing that stuff on social media and having him put it out there. And you know, to just have been a part of that um, and watch him grow and mature. You know, I, I put it out there earlier that. A year ago this time, this is a guy I wasn't sure was going to crack the varsity squad. Then he went out and made 101 kicks in-game last year. And uh, he's, bought, he's bought in, he's battled, in, whether it be the weight room. He plays uh, basketball as well. But he's always, you know, he's either lifting weights with basketball or he's lifting weights with football or he's doing his own training. And, you know, he, he's working out, kicking balls, kicking balls, kicking balls, trying to get better. And, 
getting that letter was just icing on the cake. It was just something that the kid has battled for and, and getting that. And, uh, you know, part of the, the golden ticket, as I was talking about, is 86% of the guys in the country with his rating, 86% of those guys go on to play college football. So, uh, you know, while, while he's not made it yet, um, you know, there are no offers on the table. You know, definitely look for some traffic to be picking up. I know some uh, big-time schools reached out and talked to his head coach recently, and, and uh, he's, he's just ready to go up to Wisconsin and put on a performance. Before that, he'll be in Ohio, uh, Charlotte, Charleston, and now looks like Orlando. So uh, big news for him, and uh, real proud of Spencer and all the guys that I trained and uh, actually picked up about two more today since that letter came out with some other young young guys. Uh, Lucy Beckham's soon-to-be kicker is uh, wanting to start training with me, so I'm looking forward to meeting that young man and, and see if I can help him with his goals as well. Well, man, I tell you, Eugene, you're one of the best at it, brother, and, uh, you know, I can't tell you enough how much it means to me to have you a part of what we do here at Southern Sports Central and uh, having your academy a part of what we do as well. And we're going to plug that a little bit more uh, throughout the show, throughout the time. But we do have a plug right now. we got to go back, and uh, we're going to do it a little bit out of, uh, out of style here today because we're on a tight, tight schedule. We're going to head over to the Tent Farm Hotline with uh, one of our own. Socon John joins us now all the way from Greenville, South Carolina. What's up, big man? Not much, not much. How you doing, uh, Richie? How's everything going? We're good, man. First of all, glad to hear from you, man. I know uh, you've been busy. Uh, they think that things don't happen. During this epidemic, and parent, you know, it seems to be quite the busy time. Even though, uh, you know, it's not a games, but it's what's happening behind the scenes that kind of, kind of comes out. And uh, let's get right into it, man. Uh, news came out uh, just what yesterday that they were going mm-hmm. to do away with Furman's baseball and lacrosse. I'm not surprised about lacrosse, but baseball, man, the Southern Conference and baseball go hand in hand. Uh, John, what are you hearing out of the camp over there at Furman, and, and what? What possibly could this lead into other schools inside the Southern Conference? Well, I mean, it is is shocking news, especially when you have a program that's the second oldest at the school, started playing in 1891. So that gives you an idea of of just how old the the program, and it only had had two um, stopping points uh, prior to this, and one was the war and the other one was, uh, I guess, the Great Depression. Um, So just a real shocking day around, you know, Furman athletics and as well as, you know, the Southern conference as a whole. Um, but I think you're going to see it affect, you know, like I said earlier, um, more and more, uh, SCS programs because they're, um, especially the Olympic sports, because they're trying to keep football and basketball afloat. And it's not, like it's not structured the same way a power five program is as far as how the finances trickle down and how they, where they go and um, how they, they keep those programs up. So yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see. And um, you know, one of the things I kind of wondered is if the, the players, the coaches had an idea before yesterday, whether or not this news was coming down and they, they actually did not. So, which makes it even more, I guess, heartbreaking for those guys. No doubt about it. We're live with one of our own, Sukon John. He's one of the many voices that you hear on Southern Sports Central. He co-hosts throughout the football season, but he also handles business throughout the entire year. And uh, right now, COVID-19 has taken a hit in the athletic department over there at the Furman 
University. Of course, uh, they have been part of the uh, Southern Conference uh, for quite some time. They have contributed to championships on multiple sports. But this breaking news yesterday, lacrosse, baseball has been X out of the deal. Why do you feel like those two were the two? Because I would have thought, now again, you have a, a closer look because your living location is up in the Greenville area, that baseball games in the past, from what I do remember, sold pretty well. They did pretty well in the Southern Conference games and, of course, in some of those non-Southern Conference games where they would play the Clemson or the Gamecocks or other major Power 5 schools around the country. Well, and yeah, and, and they had just um, made a, a, a really big improvement to the whole baseball facility. Um, I think it's prior to last season uh, performing baseball, so you wouldn't think um, this is this is something that just came up in the last two months uh, when they they sat down and really just crunched numbers and looked at the financial future of the the university and how you know you y- you don't know what's going to happen with football season you know yet and. Um, they said that the athletic director said they basically had four models they looked at. One was the best case scenario. You have football and everything goes, goes as planned um, this, you know, throughout the year to number four, which was catastrophic. Um, You don't have students on campus and you don't have football. Um, So then you're looking at, you know, not only Furman, but teams throughout the country. If you're not, you know, a power five program, you know, maybe, 40 teams in the country will have to be canceling sports, all but 40 teams in the country. Um, so that was basically what the model they looked at. And this had been something that they had had a long-term financial um, plan for. Um, so they were not planning on getting rid of baseball, but just, uh, you know, making the, the adjustments as they go along. And then COVID-19 hits and all of a sudden that forces their hand kind of to, to make those cuts on a program now, you might say, "Why? Well, why wasn't it, um, you know, a, a, another program with it with it Furman?" Um, well, obviously, Title IX is going to protect the women's sports, so that leaves you with soccer, which is probably the school's most successful sport, and they're not going to take that one away, I wouldn't think. And so, that it really just came down to, you know, it it might be revealing of something to where they feel like they need to protect the two major sports, um, basketball and football, and that this one of the the scars this uh, COVID-19 might leave to, on college athletics is the fact that you you have to weigh one program against another, and that's that's um, really a a sad way to sort of look at it. We're live right now with SoCon John. Of course, you uh, have heard him right here on Southern Sports Center. He's one of the many, uh, well, voices that you hear during the football season. He hosts, uh, co-hosts shows with us here, but he's also one of the brains behind the writing part of not only Southern Sports Central, but many articles that he writes across the Internet. Now, that being said, SoCon John, you start to kind of look at this and look at some of the other teams around the Southern Conference. Do you see this maybe starting to be the, the domino effect now that Furman, who's next or who do you see next could be affected by not just maybe baseball or lacrosse, but who next could you see in the Southern Conference possibly having to pull the string and unplug the power to a sport that could be on that campus around that conference? Well, obviously, um, I think that there's uh, some schools, you know, I, I think the private schools are hit a little bit harder 
by this they they don't get any you know state funding or whatever yet yes that it does uh you know it does not cost a, a tremendous amount to to sponsor baseball but on the same hand it is um it's you know it it all comes down to what you're willing to sacrifice i think in your bigger sports because um and Furman's allocated that the way their their money is allocated is a little bit different than you know say your your state supported school. So I could see it happening at, at, at a place like I certainly think that a place like Wofford is probably more vulnerable than say an East Tennessee State or or a state supported school. So my my hunch is I don't have anything to go on, but um, I think you're going to see schools. That are that are more in the footprint of Furman. Furman is the third smallest school in the Southern Conference. Um, maybe a, a, you could see some changes happen at, at a place like VMI. Um, just uh, it's just really shocking because I, I would have never thought that Furman would be the first one, and to cut one of their oldest sports was was really shocking to me. But um, we don't. I'm only seeing one side of it. Everyone else is only seeing one side of it. We don't know how the bad, good or bad the financial situation is with their athletics program. And quite frankly, I don't know if you saw it yesterday, but it's not just Furman. It's East Carolina has a $10 million budget deficit. So um, it's not just affecting small private schools. It's, it's also affecting uh, college athletics throughout the nation. And, um, there's going to be some sports cut at East Carolina. There's going to be more sports cut at, at other schools. So um, it's it's really a, a you know a catch twenty two because if you make that decision and ten years down five ten years down the road everything turns out you know being okay with our economy and everything then you kind of kicking yourself for making the decision but it was a decision that had to be made one way one way or the other. We're live right now, of course, uh, with the one and only SoCon John. He's wrapped his arms around the Southern Conference for so many years. He's seen the growth. He's seen what little bit here. You see a little bit of setback, a minor setback for what could be a major comeback. But you mentioned this is a sport that has been around Furman University for many, many, many years. Wonder, you know, there's a lot of sports on that campus. Do you have a number for us, though? I mean, I know it's softball on this campus. What other sports mm-hmm. kind of survive this thing? You know, when it comes well, down to it that you thought, well, maybe they would be, but because of Title IX, you know, they were a little bit more saved and kind of maybe surrounded by those, uh, the powers that be. Well, I certainly think that, you know, and you never want to look at it this way, but you kind of want to look at it in a way that what are your most successful sports uh, on both sides. Um, for traditionally on, on the men's side, it's been soccer, football, that there's, to be pretty good at basketball again. Um, baseball was very, uh, while they produced some good, you know, professional talent um, over the years, guys like Jay Jackson and Tom Masney, uh, they they weren't uh, a, con- a perennial contender, uh, you know, as for a regular season SoCon championship or anything like that. But um, on the same hand, they were they were still very competitive, and it wasn't as if they were they were ending the season, you know, in the cellar of the SOCON either. So um, I, I think that uh, that 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 made it – I think the Greenville community had made a 
um, an effort to, to kind of get out and see them play, especially when they were playing down downtown um, at the, at the nice field floor field downtown. So um, certainly that, that, that's a little bit shocking because uh, they also have the Southern conference tournament in Greenville. And um, so not having one of your member schools there, um, you think it'd probably go back to Charleston now, uh, I would imagine. Um, but we'll have to wait uh, when the spring meetings are over to kind of see that. And, and that was, you know, the spring meetings for each conference, they go on sometime between the end of May and, early June and, and they'll be heading down to Hilton Head, I believe it is, to, to have that meeting here uh, probably, you know, in a couple of weeks. So um, right. Southern Conference has a lot of decisions to make. I mean, more so for every conference this year than, than maybe any other. And for on the women's side, I think that Title IX, you know, probably protected those sports. But if I were looking at one, you would say potentially, I mean, at, at some point, Title IX may not even be a thing. I mean, if we don't play sports soon, it, it may not matter. Um, so, you know, I, I think they would make every effort to keep women's basketball and um, women's soccer, which has been very successful. So then you're looking probably uh, at, at women's lacrosse, which is um, probably the, the newest, one of the newest programs along with men's lacrosse, which they just cut. And then you would look at um, – uh, probably softball, unfortunately, um, would be would be one of those programs that that might um, that might that if for for whatever reason have to be cut. But um, again, those are protected by Title IX, so I don't I don't know the specifics on that. But you're asking how many sports Furman actually had? They had 20 with baseball and men's lacrosse, so they're down to 18 now. When you start to look at it, and of course you look at it across the board, and there were so many things that I thought may be affected, but I did not see baseball. Monty Lee, the head baseball coach for the Clemson Tigers, goes on Twitter and says, "And quote, can't imagine how Coach Hacker his uh, and his staff feel right now, along with their players. Tremendous people. This is devastating news to all of us in our great state. Everyone involved with Furman baseball is in our prayers." End quote. What does it mean now for these baseball players? Automatic opportunities for transfers, John. Uh, where where does mm-hmm. it stand as far as scholarships are concerned? What do we know about this? Well, they're they're immediately um, obviously the guys that were seniors were coming. You know, already had a year of eligibility back um, if they wanted it. Um, so they're gonna. Furman says that um, they're gonna keep the new facility open for those guys to train. Um, to, to be able to transfer and if, if the, that's what they want to do or, or you know, whatever um, road they continue in baseball, that will be open to them and Furman would be willing to help them in whatever way they could um, as far as transferring to another program to play next year. So, um, obviously, uh, if the guys, you know, want to stay there, that they're welcome to do that as well, but Furman's basically said, um, here's the keys to the facility. And, you know, if you need it to work out, you know, it, to get better, to, to make yourself better while you're here at Furman, then you can certainly do that and, and then transfer. So I thought that was um, pretty, pretty, pretty classy move on Furman because it was a tough decision to make, but um, certainly got a new a facility sitting there and, and 
and you you don't want to disrespect the game by doing anything to it. So the right move was to open it up to to the players that plan on continuing their career somewhere else. Live right now with SoCon John. He is a contributor in multiple ways. He's a voice on many shows here on Southern Sports Central. We are excited to get him back on the air with us here to talk about the thing that's closest to his heart the most, and that's the Southern Conference. The breaking news out of uh, Furman yesterday, they cut two programs, both coming out of the men's side of the world. One, lacrosse. Two, baseball. Very shocking news across, and I'm going to go out on a limb and think that possibly that they could reach out through however, wherever, and someone – and maybe a power five, maybe it's Monty Lee, maybe it's Coach Holbrook out here in Charleston, maybe it's another coach across the state of South Carolina and across the country that would pick up these young men because of the situation that they're in. Their hearts are heavy for these guys, I'm imagining. Same thing across across the country as well. So we'll continue to pray uh, for those athletes because I'm telling you, I, I could never imagine what it must feel like. I can tell you this, John, that one time, this was back in the 90s, there was a uh, college in Tennessee that these guys won a, a – maybe it was NAIA World Series. They came back, and on the front campus was a four-sale sign. The school was shut down. And maybe – I'm not thinking that they even knew what was going on type of thing. So back then, social media wasn't quite as big. You didn't get the right now stuff happening. And uh, you couldn't imagine what was going through their mind. Now, this was broken news uh, sometime earlier today. I think it came across my line around 316, and this has to do with South Carolina. The coaches – Presidents taking 10% pay cut on Tuesday. The Gamecocks announced several high-profile employees are taking pay cuts to help offset some of the burdens that might result in the COVID-19. John, your thoughts on this, and could this, of course, I would imagine, they see the panic happening in Furman, in South Carolina, and the Gamecocks, and other schools around the country just trying to stay ahead of what might be if they don't get their finances in order. Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. I mean, I, I think it um, is sort of. I mean, even though Furman's a, a smaller school in this state, it's certainly a, no, a well-known school and and one that's had a like a, tr- a tradition um, of, of playing baseball for a long, long time. And I think when when the other two major universities see that in the state, they're like, well, we might need to not con- necessarily consider making. Um, to programs, but we need to look at our, our, you know, our financial future, and I'm sure they already have done that, but it, it, it just brings it back um, even more closer to home, um, for lack of a better way to put it. Uh, it, it it's a reminder of what's th- here today might not be here tomorrow, and it, it can happen that quickly, um, even to a program um, that has as much money as, as a Clemson or a South Carolina. No one is, is like people are having trouble fighting the virus, um, you know, with their their physical bodies um, financially. Um, no university is going to be immune to taking losses when you can't play games and and you can't play, you can't have fans in the stands. So um, that being said, I think that that Clemson and South Carolina are are monitoring the situation very closely and and what happens at other small school, smaller schools and small smaller conferences, I think, will certainly be on the radar, especially when it's in the area. Well, right now, Sokon John, a huge opportunity for us to get him back in here to educate us on, again, what's closest to his heart. You can read into his bio, of course, and realize that if it's in the Southern Conference, it's on his radar and in his articles, as he'll be covering this, I would imagine, 
throughout the remainder of the week. John, what else is happening in the Southern Conference since I got you on, man? Uh, I know the spring sports are done, the amount of money that was lost, of course, through multiple avenues there. But in the big picture, you know, this has really affected not just the academics and the athletics, but it's affected uh, even the tournaments that are usually happening right now, if I'm not mistaken, usually the SOCON tournaments for baseball is happening during this time of year. Right. Um, today would have been the, the first day of the Southern Conference baseball tournament downtown. And, um, well, the weather's not very conducive to playing baseball right now, but maybe it's sitting considering the, the situation at, at Furman and, and what's tra- transpired in the last, you know, 24 hours. So, um, yeah, you know, I think the Southern Conference is seeing a, a, a big shift in its men's basketball. Um, East Tennessee State's coach Steve Forbes took the job last month at, at Wake Forest. Um, which was significant and then forced, um, you know, East Tennessee State to, to kind of make a decision, and they hired from within. They brought in um, Jason Shea to, to succeed him, his first head coaching job um, at ET, uh, at, as, a head, as a head coach anywhere. So um, he'll, he'll be looking to, to lead the Bucks next year. And, and also with that in this today's age of, of college athletics, you have transfers and couple of their better players, Davian Williamson and uh, Bo Hodges, who, who both averaged double figures last year, will be, be transferring out of the program, and um, I would assume the Wake Forest. Uh, so that uh, is, are, those are two significant losses for a team that already lost some, some great senior leadership from a team that won 30 games but, and won the Southern Conference Championship but had, a, had that opportunity taken away from them because of COVID. Right, right now with SoCon John, getting ready to wrap it up here with him as we uh, get caught up in all the Southern Conference news. Of course, we already talked about Furman. What's next on their dilemma as far as how are they going to manage what they need to manage and handle what needs to be handled to keep at least the, the eyes and, and everything on what they need to do to get the new things running. Now, John, any news on how Southern Conference is looking to do school? I know there's been some conversations already with, I think, Notre Dame's released some information. They're independent, mm-hmm. of course, but – they're already saying that they're not going to do things the same as they've done in the falls. What are they looking at the Southern Conference, and are they looking at going back to uh, face-to-face classes coming in September or mm-hmm. August? Yeah, um, for, from what I understand, I know Furman is, is looking uh, to that, to go back to face-to-face classes. And obviously there's the – I think they're following the model that kind of South Carolina has put out there with the, you know, and not going home at fall break and then and then going and have it maybe like the the second of the year or at least to, you know not have them come back right away after christmas um so so the the virus doesn't spread um if if it should you know if there's a second wave of the virus so um but they are planning on on you know having school having football having uh everything as usual and I can tell you that over the next, uh, you know, the, the next year for the Southern Conference, they're going to cut their championships all but, like, basketball, obviously football, but they're going to cut, like, so the, only the top four teams would make it to the baseball tournament in the standing. So it'll just be on a one-year basis, um, but it's for the Southern Conference to cut back financially and, and make some cuts somewhere. And they've also furloughed some of their, their uh, workers there in the office. Um, so it's – it's hitting, and you see a, a conference like the SoCon. It's you know it's in other places. They just haven't come out with the news yet. And 
So um, very tough day for, for a lot of people, uh, or weekend really for a tough, a lot of people I know, not only at Furman, but at, at you know, the Southern Conference office. And, you know, it, it, college athletics in a lot of ways, Richie, is, is a paycheck-to-paycheck thing for, for a majority of programs. It's not like you set up a, a savings account for a pandemic. <laughs> so um, right. in a lot of ways, it's, it's uh, you know, you never envision something. We couldn't have envisioned something like this happening, but but it does. And, boy, it's really, uh, I, I don't, like I said, East Carolina is another one. And um, you're going to see some group of five schools, I think, take some hits right now. Well, it's going to be an interesting thing to see how this thing plays out, brothers. Always, I appreciate you more than I can tell you. But uh, we wish you the best of luck. Stay safe. You and I are going to catch up because we got some more things to handle. But um, looking forward to getting you back during football season, man. Of course, uh, you know, we brought on Eugene Benton. He's, a, uh, he's one of those soccer slash uh, special teams kind of guy, if you will. So you and him can kind of get into that a little bit because of the fact that uh, he works magic with special teams, man. But uh, we'll catch up with you oh, guys cool. here uh, shortly, buddy. But uh, we appreciate you as well. Right. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure, ladies and gentlemen. There he goes, SoCon John, a familiar voice, not just a face, but a familiar voice here on Southern Sports Central. we got to go to break because it's time now to bring in after this commercial. We're going to head to Charlotte, North Carolina. We'll check in with Reginald Walker, Jr. He, again, uh, of course, playing for Joe Pye, the Penn State Nittany Lions, and since then he's done a multiple things in the social media world and in the media world and left. So we'll check in with him as we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. My family and I were suffering with no protection from the hot Carolina sun. I called the Tent Farm and they told me about their line of ceramic window film. Now I have 99.9% protection from harmful UV rays for the ones that matter the most. You don't have to be a math teacher like me for those numbers to make sense. Don't be alarmed, call the farm. I was driving in extreme Charleston heat. I couldn't take it any longer. I wasn't alarmed, I called the farm. I used to be the victim of bad tent. It was so horrible, I was embarrassed to be seen driving even in my own hometown. I called the tent farm, and they took care of me. I wasn't alarmed. I called the farm. I'm Jonathan Farmer, owner and founder of Tent Farm. Are you a victim of bad tent? Are you suffering from extreme heat? We here at the tent farm want to help you with these horrible conditions. Don't be alarmed. Call the farm. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Yellman, alongside, of course, Eugene Benton here in the studio, coming to you live from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios in Somerville, South Carolina. Of course, you can check out the factory. It's located down in Hanahan at 5913 Loftus Road. They are open and, I would say, rolling in business because everybody, it's kind of like the first day of January on Monday, it was, of course. says If you went by the barbershop or you went by the salon or you went to the gym, you noticed it was a sellout crowd, and I'm not sure how they were able to handle it all, but the word on the street is that it was quite a, uh, a very busy place to be and uh, has continued to be that today. Now, you can reach out to the group over there by cell phone or by phone at 843-573-7391. And without further ado, let's go to Charlotte, North Carolina, where we check out with one of our own. Reginald Walker joins us now. What's up, big guy? What's going on, guys? Hope you're having a pretty good week. Uh you know, it's early in the week, but, but hopefully it turns out good for you. Well, I can tell you this, man. It, it's been interesting seeing Furman losing their baseball program and their lacrosse team. Then you see, uh, what was it, yesterday, 
Boise State lands a transfer quarterback, Jack Sears, from the uh, Southern California side of the world. Uh, and, and I guess that's kind of what we're going to start to see now. Uh, and I kind of get your input on this one, Reginald. Is this now where we are, where you start to see the normal starting to be formed, the new normal, if you will, kind of like the eye of the hurricane starting to form here as sports gets back to the new normal. And we're probably, what, in a tropical storm stage right now, or maybe depression. But as the thing starts to turn, get a little bit more speed into it, the, the portal's already filling up. We saw that a couple of weeks ago. Now the transfers are starting to land in certain places. What does this mean for college football before they finally give them the all-green light to get after it? Well, I think it just means that people are, are, are being filled with increasing optimism um, and additional hope that we will have a season. Uh, I think a, a few weeks ago, uh, a lot of people were not sure if there would be football at all. I think now they're more uh, hopeful, they're more uh, they, 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 they feel a little bit better about the prospects of it happening. I don't know that anyone's totally confident yet, uh, but I think they're more encouraged uh, about the possibility of having a season, and I think that's why you see some of the things you're seeing. Now, on top of that, uh, Sears is one situation, but if you look at uh, Talia Tungavaloa, Tua's younger brother, going to Maryland, there's a family familiarity with Mike Loxley, who was at Alabama, when Tua first got there. So when you start looking at some of the things, uh, again, it's easier for Talia to go there because there's a familiarity, even though he can't really go to campus yet. At least he kind of has a sense of how Mike Loxley operates, whereas it would be more of a situation where, uh, at least off the top of my head, I don't know of a previous relationship uh, with a coach at Boise um, as deep maybe as the one that, that Loxley has with the Tonga Vailoas that Sears already has at Boise State. So I'd be curious to see what the connection was there. But if you look at the Tonga Vailoa situation in particular, there was that previous connection there that I think drove that one home. And don't forget, South Carolina had a uh, Jake Bentley, who this was way before this kind of thing started to happen with COVID-19 back in, what was it, December, January. He decides he's going to Utah. So there are quarterbacks that are moving all about the cabin. The, I guess the, uh, the light is off on the plane, and these guys are able to kind of move wherever they want. Anybody else that's kind of right now you're thinking, and it doesn't have to be a quarterback, but is there anybody out there that you're thinking any minute now they're going to pull the trigger and you're going to see some more shaking going on uh, around the world of college football and transfers? Well, yeah, I mean, and this is kind of an easy one, but I, I think you're going to see that running back room at Penn State is pretty crowded. Uh, you may see somebody get out of Dodge there. Uh, you look at some of the different situations where it's a little bit crowded at different positions. You may see some people get out of Dodge. Um, I sort of predicted that somebody from that Alabama stable uh, would leave the quarterback room as well. You had Talia there, had Mac Jones who took over last year, got a couple young guys coming in as well. Those quarterback rooms get really crowded when they get past three scholarship guys and guys get out of Dodge because you got to remember there's generally one or two walk-ons on pretty much every roster. So the math says uh, if I'm the third or really the fourth uh, scholarship quarterback in a situation, chances are I'm not going to play much and I need to get out of Dodge. And I think that's what you see in a lot of guys do. No doubt about it. We're live right now with one of our own. He does a lot for a lot of different areas. And one here at Southern Sports Central, we can't do it without him. Reginald Walker Jr., of course, played his days at Penn State. And he's done a lot for a lot of other 
areas, of course, uh, on the radio. He's, uh, well, you would hear him, of course, with uh, the likes of UNC Charlotte and, and what's going on with those guys. And uh, when you look at UNC Charlotte, let's talk a little bit about them. Uh, do you stay in contact with these guys? I'd imagine you would throughout the, the off season and definitely during the strange season. And of course, Gardner Webb is another voice that you'll hear. Uh, you'll, you'd hear your voice over there with those guys as well. What's going on with these two colleges uh, right now during this shutdown period? Uh, they're both just hopeful. And, and you know, right now uh, I talked to some folks over at Gardner-Webb last week. Uh, they're just hopeful. They're not really sure what everything is going to look like. Um, the thing that helps them is the school is in more of a rural uh, sort of location. Uh, so the kids are a little bit more isolated. Uh, the university is a little bit more isolated. So that's somewhat of a positive potentially uh, for them. And then, and then a course the folks at charlotte uh in a little bit more densely populated area in north charlotte uh but everybody's just trying to remain hopeful uh and and the thing right now for a lot of a lot of coaches is when they do have time with players uh mainly via zoom meetings or things like that they're just trying to maximize the opportunities to really teach um you know and 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 it's so interesting because i heard that from a few coaches over the last couple of weeks and then last night uh, watching SportsCenter, uh, that was the same sentiment uh, from what many feel is the greatest coach there is right now, Nick Saban. Uh, he was talking about how the teaching uh, is so much more available now because you can slow teach via Zoom. You can't necessarily slow teach when you're on the football field and you're trying to get that time to move the kids around. But right now you can slow teach mentally and intellectually and really help them see the basic concepts and understand the foundation of your system and the foundations of your program, and then build them up from there, particularly uh, the younger guys on the roster, the freshmen and sophomores and the like. We're live right now with Reginald Walker Jr. for his 630 segment here, brought to you by our friends over at the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Center over there in Hanahan, South Carolina. Of course, he played the days with the Nittany Lions and Joe Pye. He's currently one of the many voices with these Charlotte 49ers. And, of course, Gardner-Webb, he hands a lot of business and a lot of responsibility during the football season as he lives over in Charlotte, North Carolina. Another thing that's kind of come out, and I want to get your thoughts on this one as well, Reginald, the appeals court upholding the ruling that colleges can pay for all NCAA athletes' education expenses. The federal appeal court upheld a ruling on Monday, that was just yesterday, that allows colleges to pay for any education-related expenses for student-athletes in the future. Tell us about that. Again, you're seeing for the first time of many, maybe ever, the NCAA's bending a lot more than they've ever been. And even in the getting kids into college with the senior class not having to have an SAT, and ACT. Imagine if that was the way it was even back in our day. Talk to us a little bit about those two things. Well, first and foremost, and I've said for, for the longest time, look, people – are going to fall on what side, whatever side they want on the paying the, the college athletes uh, concept. And, and, and I look at it like this from a, at least with basketball, with basketball, it's not a physical issue uh, to allow them to go to the NBA, let them go to the NBA. The problem is that is an NBA rule. That's not a NCAA rule. Um, and then even in football, it's an NFL rule, not an NCAA rule. So I would remind people that the reason these kids are, quote-unquote, in a position where they're being, if you want to use the term exploited or however you want to phrase it, it's because of the professional leagues, not the NCAA. 
the NCA has existed the same way for years and years and years. A business model is a business model, whether you like it or not. Uh, players have just now been told in the last 15, 20 years or so that they can't go directly to the NBA. That has nothing to do with the NCA, so I'll leave that there. Uh, but in terms of uh, taking care of any educational expense, I think that's right on par. I think that's what it should be. I, I've long said that uh, in addition to making sure all of their academic expenses are taken care of, I think they should be able to uh, take care of at least for one home game a year, uh, maybe two, uh, bringing the family in at the university's expense to watch their child perform. And I think that's across all sports. And then if you add to that, um, I think athletes that are on scholarship, uh, particularly full scholarship, should be uh, given the essentially the financial means um, to get home practically, right, from a financial standpoint, in a practical way twice a year. That would mean if you want to go home for Christmas break over that time frame or spring break or the end of the year, you should have two opportunities to have round-trip travel from the school to your home. And, and, and I think uh, those are some things that the NCAA should be able to implement with ease and just help these young people and their families be able to get back and forth. And, and you know what? If a school doesn't want to spend a lot of money, then and, and I'll use Miami as an example, and this is not them specifically, but, hey, Miami, if you, want to pay, if you don't want to pay that $3,000 uh, round-trip plane ticket for your linebacker to go home to L.A., tell your coach don't recruit L.A. It's pretty simple. And I agree with you. Very simple indeed. As we're live right now with Reginald Walker, Jr., who helps us kind of figure it all out as we start to kind of put things together. You know, you're starting to see things kind of unfold. Is there any chance that some of the things that they're implying now that they're putting in for, into place right now, does this stuff stick? Or just kind of a temporary fix to kind of get things at least back up and moving, Reginald? I think some of the things, particularly in the uh, conferences with smaller revenue streams, I think a lot of these things will stick. I think some of the conferences that are discussing maybe shrinking the amount of teams that make their conference tournament or uh, changing venues uh, to make it a little bit more uh, feasible, uh, for their teams and schools to travel. I think those types of things will stick. I don't think you'll see some of the quote-unquote smaller conferences, uh, you know, trying to have a conference tournament in an NBA arena 300 miles from, you know, the majority of its campuses just because it's an NBA arena. I think they'll reevaluate some of those things. Uh, and I think, you know, you, you look at situations like the Big South, uh, taking their tournament uh, to to the Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte. It's a nice enough size venue, um, and and the conference headquarters are across town essentially. So it allows you to do some things differently. And many of the schools are in driving distance. I think that makes more sense uh, than trying to fly all these different places or late night bus rides at the last minute because they're hosting at home and those types of things. So I think they're going to try to find a centralized way to do it. And, and I applaud the, the conferences that, that are aware of those things and, and trying to make things uh, a little bit more fiscally responsible, if you will, uh, for themselves and for their member institutions. Reginald, as you kind of put things in perspective and, and you start to see a lot of things kind of coming in here and you see, of course, different bands are starting to be 
kind of knocked down and, and you start to see, you know, it's going to start becoming more per state by the rule that they have to abide by. The NFL right now has made that very clear. The commissioner of the NFL has met with the power five commissioners, which I thought was a very classy move by all parties involved. I think we might have spoke about this a little bit last week. That being said, you know, how is this going to affect what if, let's say the state of South Carolina and North Carolina are green to go and their conferences can start to move within the, the, the confines of their state laws that are out there, but yet you go to California and maybe you head over to New York, what do you think uh, when it comes down to the, the big picture of things, how does this affect the start of college football? I think it's going to, I think it's going to affect it immensely because uh, there are some situations uh, as well with non-conference scheduling uh, that the proximity works um, and that you can still have some of those games in the early season season. You, you look at a multi, you can, and, and you can name different situations, whether it's, you know, you, you go out to the West coast, Fresno state playing, you know, somebody in the PAC 12, that's a, that's a drivable thing unless you're going down to LA and then that's more of a flight. Cause it's about, uh, it's about four and a half, five, about four hours. Uh, so that trip gets a little bit longer real quick. Uh, but in general, you think about a situation where, and, and we've seen it in years past where, you know, South Carolina, uh, may play a Wofford or Clemson may play a Georgia, uh, where a Charlotte may play a Gardner Webb, uh, Charlotte may play an Appalachian state. I think those types of situations still help. Where it becomes problematic is if you're, for instance, if you're Clemson and, and, and there's a, you know, or, or I'll give you a better one, North Carolina. Uh, right now, uh, Gardner-Webb is slated to go to Georgia Tech. Georgia is open. The state of Georgia is open. The state of North Carolina is not even at phase two yet. It's a three-phase process in North Carolina. They're not at phase two. So what happens if North Carolina is still closed and Georgia is open? That's a financially important game for Gardner-Webb. Georgia Tech is looking at it saying, well, we can play. Our state is open. Our stadium is available. And Gardner-Webb maybe can't go because of the state laws in North Carolina. I think that's where you're going to see some of the conundrums uh, for some of these programs and some of these different governors uh, because there's going to be some pressure. Now, with all due respect to Gardner-Webb, I'm not sure that they can put enough pressure on the governor of North Carolina to make that person back off. On the flip side, let's just say this was South Carolina. I think if the folks at Clemson put that kind of pressure on Governor McMaster, it might turn out a little bit different. And I agree with you. And this so- is uh, Eugene here. If you're looking at some of this thing and in, in what I'm seeing um, – is, you know, we're relying, as you mentioned, you know, on state law. However, Gardner-Webb is in North Carolina. Georgia Tech is in Georgia. So they signed a contract. Now, that contract is between two states, so that's federal. Now, what schools could do, there, there may be a chance for them to do this, is to seek federal uh, preemption, and then that would be part of the federal court system, which isn't controlled by the state. You know, these contracts are going across state lines. You know, this goes back to, you know, a hundred year precedent when uh, we became more of a union instead of states, you know, kind of doing their own thing. That was part of the whole, you know, after reconstruction. And so what I'm what I'll be curious to see is if, you know, if there's a situation like that and these teams and schools want to play, you know, do they go to the federal courts and say, you know, we have a contract 
this is this is you know we are because it's across state lines and it's a tr- uh, financial transaction over a certain amount. And I think the threshold is something like seventy-five thousand dollars, which we know nobody shows up to play for seventy-five thousand dollars, especially a big school. Um, you know, could they go that route? Uh, the other thing uh, that you talked about earlier, uh, and it kind of ties into this, I don't know if you've seen it. I was flipping through the channels just before we came on, and uh, the uh, AD from Kansas State was on Feinbaum's show and just very just boldly said, you know what, we can play a game at 20,000 people, we can spread them out, and we still make enough money from our TV contracts that we can still float our program for a year, no worries. And, you know, and obviously the small schools can't do that, but that was I thought it was a pretty bold statement coming out of Kansas State. Well, that that no, you hit the nail on the head, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up. Eugene, you're always spot on. My man, always spot on. But that's an important piece of this because the main reason many of these schools and many of the particularly Power Five conferences are looking to play, Notre Dame, the reason they're looking to play is the TV money that they know will come in. We can say what we want, but at the end of the day, regardless of advertisers, ESPN knows, Fox knows, uh, NBC knows, CBS knows. If there's a 2.30 Central Time or 3.30 Eastern Time SEC game every Saturday, CBS has to write a check. Regardless of what happens uh, as it relates to ad sales, if those two teams take that football field, and the eyeballs are on CBS, they have to write those checks. And that's what these schools are banking on to help kind of get themselves going again financially is if we show up and play, and there will be more eyeballs this year than there have been if people are still uh, in in many states forced to, quote, stay at home, then the ratings will be higher. So if anything, we can push the networks – to give us more money because there are more eyeballs. Now, whether or not the ad revenue is there, that's an entirely different question. But I can guarantee you this, those chancellors, not the athletic directors, those chancellors, because they know the entire financial situation of the school, they also know that if they don't have students on campus, which, again, I still think if you don't have students on campus, you shouldn't have football players or basketball players or any athletes on campus either. But they know if they don't have students on campus – They don't get tuition money – I'm sorry, room and board money coming in. There are certain aspects of money that do not come into those schools. So if you think this is just about athletic directors, you're sadly mistaken. Chancellors are locked into this situation too. School presidents are focused on this situation too. And and, and with that statement, if they could float it with 20,000 butts in the seats, but by the TV money, you got to look at it and wonder, you know, perhaps the TV guys are saying – you know, kind of sitting back, you know, I, I don't want to say they're rooting for it, but, you know, it, it, it behooves them to get the the ratings up because, like you said, if there's 60,000 people who aren't able to sit in the game, they're going to watch that game. If that game's being played, they're going to watch it. That boosts TV ratings. Well, then the TV producers go out to the commercial advertisers and say, you know what, you just got – we just doubled our viewership for these That's games. Right. And so those commercials right. are going to be worth more to them because they're going to reach a bigger audience. When you're sitting inside Absolutely. the stadium, you don't see the commercials. When you're sitting at home nope. or at your friendly neighborhood bar and grill or whatever, you see those commercials. So it almost looks like the TV guys are in a heck of a they have a heck of a bargaining tool right now. Absolutely, and 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 that's what everybody's locked into is 
where's where how can I finagle a little bit more money out of the situation and and, and look, I'm gonna tell you right now, I, I know enough people in the build, business of sales. You think those salespeople aren't gonna be the ones kicking down the doors of these different businesses saying, Hey, listen, yeah, I know you went through a tough time, but hey, you know, last year when you bought from us and you only spent, you know, five hundred thousand dollars for that thirty second spot in the first quarter of week one of the season. Hey, now if you give us seven hundred and fifty grand instead of the two million that watched that game last year, it's going to be six million that watch it this year. And they're going, well, wait a minute, maybe I need to just find a way to come up with yeah. a little more money and get my business back going again. Because you know, you're, and, from a marketing budget, it, it depends. You, you, it's dollars per, you know, reach. And if your reach yeah, per, yeah. triples for for you know twenty percent more money. You know, most marketing, if you got it, you're going to spend it. Absolutely correct. And and, and so I tell you, you know, we're, we're talking about particularly college athletics right now. I tell you what, there are some college economic students that have broken this thing down. And if you go ahead and let them do this as a project, maybe they don't need to go back to class next fall because they can figure this whole thing out for us right now. I say that as I have two degrees in business from Carolina. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, they might as well give you a third one because it, it, it. Well, tell them, tell them you're gonna figure this out. You're gonna give them a plan for this, and they can give you a third one. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that honorary PhD that they gave Holt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But um, and and. and I guess we're about to head out, but one one last thing you're talking about the travel for those schools that can pay for travel. Post nine eleven, you saw a lot of big time recruits, quote unquote, staying close to home. You know, if these teams can sponsor travel back and forth to home and getting families to games, I think that's going to open up, more, you know, a lot more national recruiting for uh, for schools that you know are more regionally based. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you we've heard the story a million times, right? Look at many of the players at some of these big schools and look at the situations and environments they come from. They didn't have anything, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that's incorrect, but I will say this. If you're a kid from Syracuse, New York, and you decide to go to school in Austin, Texas, but you're coming from quote unquote, nothing in New York, how are you getting back and forth to Austin, Texas? Somebody's coming up with it at least once or twice a year. But if the school can help that, why wouldn't they? And why shouldn't they? And why shouldn't the NCAA allow that? If, you, if you're really trying to create, uh, because they are, right? It's a marketing thing. They're trying to create a wider audience. They're trying to create more eyeballs on every team, not just a certain few teams. Well, if the, uh, a, a prime example I'll give is a kid, Matthew Thomas, uh, out of Florida, was going to go all the way to USC at one point a couple of years ago ended up going to Miami. But what if he goes out there? Then you've got people in South Florida that will stay up and watch USC play at 1030 on a Saturday night, Eastern time. That's how you expand the eyeballs. But if that kid can't get back to Miami to see his family after the bowl game or, or those types of things, then that part of it is not being – benefited from by either side. And I think the NCAA can allow the schools the ability to do that. And again, if you're a school that's not going to pay for that, right? We just saw uh, the kid from out on the West coast, uh, the top 
the the high high end uh, defensive line recruit uh, decommitted from Clemson. I don't know what that was about, and there could be multiple things. But at the end of the day, if that kid knew that Clemson could fly him back to the West Coast twice a year, might be a little bit easier for him to stick to that original commitment. I agree with you, Reginald Walker, as he uh, educates us and drops the knowledge from uh, the time he gets on to the time he drops off. And, uh, man, I tell you what, we still got to get you more than 30 minutes. I know we're working on it, and maybe uh, we just have to look at some scheduling. But, uh, man, first of all, glad you're staying safe. Glad that you had time to get in here with us. And uh, can't wait to get you back. May bring you back on Thursday, by the way, because there's some other stuff that's starting to come out. And uh, 30 minutes is just hard to cover with you, big guy. Absolutely, yeah. We'll look into that, and I'll tell you, uh, if you guys haven't had a chance to to give him a read, uh, Pat Forty had a great piece. Um, he dropped it on his Twitter account today. Uh, you can go to my Twitter account. I retweeted it, um, and Pat uh, hit me with a like and all that too. Um, but it's just about kind of where this thing may go um, in terms of collegiate athletics and the money and, and how it's impacting programs. Um, I just saw another uh, a non-Power 5 school just shut down their men's track program. Uh, which which uh, takes away uh, the opportunity to compete from 36 athletes and two full-time assistant coaches uh, are going to have to find employment elsewhere. So this thing is continuing to happen. Uh, but I would encourage Pat Forty Reed, and then there was another one. I uh, can't remember who wrote that one, but myself and uh, Charles Arbuckle were going back and forth on Twitter talking about that today as well. Um, and that's in that thread also. They're two really, really good reads um, about – where college sports are right now, where they could be headed, and what it might look like down the line. Yeah, I believe it's Kevin Carter that you also had tagged on that. We just actually retweeted it on our uh, Twitter page, at SO Sports Central, uh, as uh, that is the article that, of course, Reginald was talking about. Uh, man, I tell you what, this to me is like a, a hurricane that comes through the night, and when we turn on the lights, you know, or when the sun comes up, that's when you start to see the damage. And I think that's now what you're starting to see is, we're getting back to the new normal or getting back to business as uh, we know it here after COVID-19 or as we try to deal with this new normal as well. Uh, buddy, we appreciate you as always. I look forward to getting back with you and uh, appreciate you helping us get better day in day out. Anytime, guys. Iron sharpens iron, so I appreciate the time, appreciate the opportunity, and worst-case scenario, I'll talk to you next Tuesday. Until then, catch me on Twitter at rwalk13. Until then, I'm out. We are. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. Signs off at that signature point. Of course, he played for the legendary, and that would be who else? Well, the Nittany Lions and Joe Pye. He also is the voice of uh, the Gardner-Webb Bulldogs over there, and, of course, UNC Charlotte. He also plays a big role over there with those guys as well. Of course, here on Southern Sports Central, joins us every Tuesday at 630, live right here on the air. We're behind the ball a little bit, so a quick break to come back. We're heading Back to Greenville, I believe, where we'll find Mr. Ken Brown with the High School Blitz. We're talking combine. We're talking what's new, what's next, and what's coming up as you're listening to Southern Sports Central Live right here on Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton. I want to thank our one guest who came in style. Of course, it started off in Greenville with Socon John, breaking down all the news and notes from the Southern Conference. He, of course, uh, got us up to date 
on all the news and headlines for Southern Conference, but also the latest news from Furman University where they have discontinued lacrosse and baseball. That is effective immediately. So that's a whole new thing, and you're going to start to see this in other conferences around the country. We'll start to kind of see this thing start to kind of take a domino effect. And then at 630, as always, Reginald Walker, Jr., who played for Joe Pop for the Penn State Nittany Lions just a few years back, also plays multiple roles with the voice in the Gardner-Webb program as well as the UNC Charlotte guys and does media all throughout Charlotte and right here on Southern Sports Central. So here we are now in hour number two. We are now joined by the one and only, of course, uh, Mr. Ken Brown with the High School Blitz. What's up, Mr. Brown? How you doing? Hey, my man. How's it going? Well, I tell you what, I know right, that man? you've been busy handing out some belts the uh, last couple of days. I saw the boys of Red uh, had some belts. <laughs> I thought that was pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was – that was pretty fun. Um, I like delivering them. I love, you know, going out and seeing the guys and delivering and talking to them. And we talked for like an hour and a half, just sitting and talking to them about recruiting. You know, you got Eli's going to App State. Uh, you got uh, Joe Owens going out to Alabama State. And you got uh, Tyler. He won the player of the year and the receiver award. He's going down to the Citadel. And just guys but and, um, and the coolest thing, though, is just sitting and talking to those guys and, and, you know, they communicate with the coaches and stuff and then talking to his mom. And, you know, that was – that that play of the year vote was the closest we've ever had. It came down to the last minute. And for him to win by 14 votes, he was he was up four votes of like three minutes to go. And then we could see the numbers going up and down. It was tied for the longest. And, and uh, he was playing golf, and his mom was calling him on the phone screaming at him because she was doing the numbers. She said, I think you won my four votes and stuff. And <laughs> and then my phone was going crazy and stuff. And and, and uh, we got to running at the numbers, and it was crazy. Yeah, but he ended, up, he ended up squeaking it out and he won, won the scholarship and got the two – and you know, winning two belts. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, those those belts are pretty neat. I got I still got to hook you up with yours. And uh, now the company I get them from, they just now got back up and running uh, 100%. They come out of Chicago. And uh, so now right. I can um, – we've got about eight more to give out. Um, and you know, uh, uh, Loyal uh, Queen um, from uh, Wilson High School, she was our female athlete of the year. And she she right. received her belt. She won Georgia State – or Georgia Tech. And, uh, but I, if I don't if – I, if I have time to drive and, and meet the kids, and I like to do that to talk to them, because um, it's like 30 bucks to mail one. So <laughs> – so that's the – so, uh, yeah, so I'm like, well, I'm going to spend 30 bucks. I got to go uh, down to uh, Myrtle Beach, uh, kick. I got to go down there. And so I'm looking forward to for the travel. I can't wait. I'm just ready for the season to get started because we're going to have a lot of belts this year. So these kids got the opportunity to win a lot of belts this year. You got the junior showcase. You got the upstate all-star game. Then you got the, all the voting during the year. So you've got a lot of opportunity to win some belts this year. And – um the most has won been for uh, you had BT Potter won two one time, and then you had Tyler win the two, and then you had um, um, kid from Southside Christian Lucas Raybar he won he won it last year the player of the year, so yeah it's pretty fun I love it I'm not, I, I absolutely love it it's nothing like it so you got to help me design your belt so get ready for it. <laughs> All right, man, we're getting ready. No doubt about it. We're live with the one and only Ken Brown with the High School Blitz. We've partnered with Ken uh, back in December, and we're just getting this thing going, and we're excited 
to announce a few things throughout this show. If you would like to hang out with us and come on in and ask a question to these guys, and that, of course, uh, combine conversation, you can do that. The number to call in live right now to join us and ask your question to Ken Brown is 323-784-9681. Again, the parents and players, come on in and hang out. The number to call in, 323-784-9681. Let's talk about this combine. You and I have been talking Wow, man, it seems like uh, more and more as this July date starts to kind of unfold. And uh, I had a chance to be around four Dorchester athletes on Saturday or some Somerville athletes on Saturday. And, you know, I looked at these guys mm-hmm. and 90% of them were seniors. Uh, but, but I talked to all these kids. I said, look, if you want to get better, it, it starts with you. You got to get off the couch and on the field. It doesn't matter what field. Well, it does matter. You can't be on your high school field. We learned that uh, a few weeks mm-hmm. ago now. That being said, it needs to be a, 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 an approved facility that you can work out in. But there were all everybody's excited about you bringing this combine to, to Charleston and to the Somerville possible areas where we're trying to find a, a center ground here for us to, to work these kids. And we're going to work with you guys as well. Myrtle Beach is another slot. Columbia is another slot. And Greensboro, I believe, is the other slot. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that mm-hmm. and, and some tentative dates and, and what's the plan, man? Where are we looking at as of right now on the uh, 19th day of May? We're looking at right now to start the first one off will be uh, the first. It's probably going to be on the 5th, I think, of July. We're going to start out uh, on this end with Westside High School. And then we're going to do these kids. It'll be on a Sunday. And then we're going to do uh, over at Clover High School probably for the uh, on that end of the state for those kids in that area. And they were going to come to your area and uh, hopefully, you know, some of it, some of it around that area for uh, that one, it'll be the following week after that. So we're going to go four weeks in a row and then we'll leave from your place. And the next, the following weekend, we'll go to uh, Myrtle beach, the Myrtle beach area and get all those kids in that area. And that way these kids ain't got to travel so far. If you just got one combine in Columbia, kids got to come up all over the state. So we're going to go, we're going to call it the four corners. So we're going to get in all four corners of the state. And do it that way, and I think it'll be better for the kids on traveling and stuff, and and uh, it'll work out better. But we're gonna release those dates as soon as we we uh, beat out the exact school location. Uh, we're gonna release those dates and probably within the next week or two. And uh, we look in the times they do have a combine. Uh, the Helensky Hope Combine this is J- J- July 11th, I think. I think this is the 11th right. up at uh, River Bluff. I think so. Yeah. So that week we'll we'll go on that on that Sunday, so we won't so those kids can still go and do their thing over there, and we'll go that week. We'll probably do it on on that Sunday to uh, give those guys a chance. And no, we don't want to draw away from those guys. We want these kids need to be on the field and doing stuff. So we want to get as many kids as possible. But as soon as these combines get you know get started back up. So, but that, yeah, as soon as I release those dates, I'll let you know, give you a heads up on it, and um, and I'm hoping to. You know, the first weekend, uh, as soon as July get here, we're gonna we're gonna start. And then when the season starts, I'm thinking now when the once the season starts, how the high school run it with the fans and stuff, and how they run it. I think we want to implement that same thing in the games or keep everybody safe and stuff. Hopefully by the end, a lot of stuff has died down by then. That's what I'm hoping. Um, right. So we we'll kind of like you know whatever game plan they have, I think we probably follow right behind it and um, see how it goes. But when you look at the criteria, you know, again, what are the qualifications? I'm going to let you kind of talk on that. What, what, what is the age group that we're looking at? I believe it's juniors, if I'm not mistaken. But, but kind of specify from the beginning to the end who's going to be on the field, what mm-hmm. type of combine is this, what are you guys going to be measuring, and uh, what kind of things do they need to be bringing with them? 
Well, they just when they show up, they just come in with their just the workout clothes. We don't have them. Uh, well, they'll register online and they'll get a um, they'll get a, a jersey, well, like a practice jersey for that day. They have the uh, the number on it. Uh, when they come in, when they get to the facility, they'll check in and they'll write down. They'll, they'll have we're gonna get their height, weight, shoulder pad size, helmet sizes, everything. And once they get through giving them all that numbers, they're gonna lift. They're going to walk right out on the field. They're going to start training. They're going to get with their position coaches, and they're going to go through everything, all the drills and stuff, just like any combine, the shuttle times, the 40 times, everything, and then we'll go into the drills. And these coaches that's going to be running it is going to be the same coaches that's the head coach and his um, and his coaches will be running the lower state and upstate, Coach Wilcox. So you got Coach Smitty with his guys running the lower state combines, and, and upstate you've got Coach Wilcox east side running the upstate combines. So these coaches get to see hands-on, get to see all these juniors, and then and then they're gonna get together and they're gonna pick the best 44 out of those juniors. And it's gonna be a lot of kids show up, and uh, that's why we. So if we so if we we split it up and having you know having the west side to get it in kids this, in this area. So if 150 kids show up, that's a lot of kids. We can still handle that. So then we go to the Clover area and we got 100 show up. So it's best to do it that way. And uh, so when it's all said and done. When they pick the kids, we got everything. We got their size. We got their shoulder pad. Because one thing I learned about the upstate game the first time is that shoulder pad size and helmet size, that is a headache right there. Because you got kids at the last minute, two days before the game, oh, I, got, I need an extra large helmet. <laughs> you know? So we're going to cut that out, nip that in the bud. And the second week of the season, we'll, we'll, announce, the, we'll announce the roster. Well, we got everything ready to rock and roll. You know, but when these kids check into the hotel, they get you know they get all their stuff and everything and it's gonna be easier on us to uh, to to get get everything we need from these kids and that's the that's the main thing and they're gonna to have to come and bring their you know they're gonna to to bring their A game because they're gonna pick the best forty four in the upstate and the best forty four in the lower state and you know I like to say iron sharpens iron so you want to have the it won't be no favoritism shown so you gonna to have to come ball out you know do your thing and um but we want to get all the measurements on them. So when these when these coaches go to the website and they get to see these kids, they're gonna have their name, huddle link, all their numbers. You know, this kid ran a four four five forty. He bench pressed so and so. We're gonna have all that stuff on the on the site. So there's when they after that game, we'll post the stats from the game, what everybody did, and MVPs. But that is gonna go right on over to their recruiting for their senior year when their senior year starts. When a coach asks a question, hey, well, go to highschoolblitz.com. You can see everything I did in this, you know, the combine. Here's my stuff. And it'll help, it'll help jumpstart their recruiting. If a kid ain't getting recruiting, it'll help jumpstart their recruiting. And that's going to catch us up with these other states is kind of ahead of us a little bit. I think we we're, we're neck and neck with them maybe a little bit better, but they, you know, they, you know the talk ahead, state the other states are better than us. But this is going to help these kids so much. And their senior year, they're going to be – you know, right there with the rest of them, top seven, ready to rock and roll. And as soon as we get them get them done, we're gonna start right on the other kids. Now, what I want to do is after I get done with these junior combines and get it ready and get this game situated, get everything done and and um, all that's good and done. Hopefully, during the season when it's uh, kind of winding down, playoff starts, we can start getting working on some of these sophomores, getting them registered for the next one and have a head start, okay, we already got these rising juniors coming up for next year. Go ahead and get those guys on the list, get them registered, and have everything settled for the next year so we don't have to wait. You know, like right now with the, with the COVID-19, you, 
you're kind of you know in the waiting stage or waiting on everything to when you're going to announce this, when are you going to do this? Well, well, next year we'll be so far ahead of everything. Everything's going to run a lot smoother. Um, but just just show up and do your thing. Don't be nervous. Just go, out, go out there and ball um, because there's going to be some ballers there. But you're going to have a lot of kids that you don't know about. And you got the kid mode at Chester just blowing up, you know. I think each team is going to carry two quarterbacks. Um, so you have some backups out there. In the deep, you know, you have to, you're going to have your starters. And But I, I know for a fact both teams have carried two quarterbacks, maybe three. So if you got three good ones, you're going to you know, pick three. It's going to be hard to pick those two. But if you got three quarterbacks, it's harder to get all that time in. It's easier to rotate two quarterbacks. Three quarterbacks are a lot harder, harder to uh, rotate. You know, then you got to go with the hot hand in the fourth quarter. Um, but that's the game plan. And um, so hopefully, hopefully I hear back from these coaches next week about the locations. Um, and then we can go ahead and so we get the locations. We'll go ahead and add the date and the times. And then I'll let you guys know, man. And so hopefully we can get the, I'll get with you on the some on some of, some of their areas so we can get in that area, find out where we're going and right. and the Myrtle Beach. Hopefully we get at the Myrtle Beach High School. We want to do on some turf fields just in case it rains or something. Um, right. So we'll be all messy and nasty. So if we can get so the kids can uh, perform the best they can. But I can't wait, man. It's going to be awesome. I, something that just stays on my mind 24-7. I get asked about it every day. Uh, literally every day. Um, I know you know Jeff Davis. You know, he, he called me yeah. the other day and he was asking about it. You know, oh, man, it's going to be awesome and stuff. I can't come, but, man, I can't, you know, it's going to be awesome. It's good for the – it's good. It's great for the state. It's great for these kids. Um, sure. And and I and I cannot wait to this thing to go off. It's gonna be something special, and I, you know you know what you know that I just cannot wait to shut those talking heads up. <laughs> you know Man. that's one thing. That, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I'm gonna tell you this: because, kid, it's not only gonna be great for the state, man. It, it's gonna be huge for within the region, within the area that we're doing this in. Because again, upstate, mm-hmm. middle state up in the Grand Strand and down in the low country, you know, these kids are going to be working and competing as, you know, one-on-one in July. So they're going to have a barometer right there. They're not going to let it. Oh, Let's yeah. say it's a Somerville versus a Ford Chester kid. Ford Chester is not going to lay back. He's not going to sit there and wait for, you know, is this gentleman going to run a faster 40? No, he's going to set the tone early. You know, I had a chance to mm-hmm. both Somerville and Ford Chester. They were working individually they're doing the social distancing uh in a certain area in somerville not on fields of of the high school league or by no means let's get that clear but Mm -hmm. i looked at these guys said look you guys ought to work out together right now this is character 101 man work out together get better together and that way when you play against each other at the end of the year it means a little more you grew together mentally and then you can go out there and flex on each other later in the season but you know we're excited Mm -hmm. we're excited to be a part of this i know eugene is of course, uh, you know, he's looking forward to it. He and I talk about this camp. Heck, I think last night we talked about the camp. We were kind of getting all the information kind of put together about, you know, what class it was that you were going to really highlight and how we were going to be able to play a part. And, of course, when you get the, the, the team set up and, and the games that are set, we're coming to Greenville. We're coming to wherever we can to give, you know, your guys a, a voice on the radio and, and definitely continue to do not only the combines but the games and, you know, I wish we had enough time to travel around to, to be a part of you handing out these belts. But but when you look at this, and, and let me let me kind of put this kid on your radar because I've I've been in contact with this young man off and on social media. His name is Eamon Small. Mm-hmm. He's currently attending Buford High School. It's a 4A school down here in, in the low, in the Low Country, man. 15 years old, ninth mm-hmm. grader, six two, 340 pounds. 
Six two, three forty. <laughs> this kid lifts like he lifts refrigerators. <laughs> I mean, because he doesn't. Man, have that kid, if by God's grace and glory, doesn't get a five star program offering him like soon, I would be shocked. I mean, I'm gonna uh-huh. send you some of his film, but wow. you know, Mitchell Small is a beast, man. This kid has a great work ethic, and that's something that I appreciate. You, you and I have kind of vowed do the powers that be, quote unquote, outside of our state that made a comment back mm-hmm. in, uh, I think it was January, that rubbed me and you the wrong <laughs> way pretty quickly, and we kind of joined forces immediately saying, I bet you we have athletes over here. But you mentioned, you know, and, yes. and we understand Georgia's in the past has been ahead of us, but because of guys like you and what we're trying to do here at Southern Sports Central, we're trying to add a different avenue, another value, but yet do something because these coaches in high school, they give enough time away from their families. It's not oh, yeah. fair for these coaches to oh, give yeah. the things that you and I get to do, right? I mean, talk a little bit about that. And I know the coaches that come at me, we had Coach Reedy on Sunday night. He was on the radio with us, and he spoke highly about the kind of guys that, that we all are, the guys that me, you, and other guys that, that do what we do for the high school league. And it really means a lot. And, and, and again, to hear that from Hall of Fame coaches or just current coaches means more to me than anything else I can get. That's what a lot of people don't understand about our coaches because, uh, first of all, they got – okay, most of them teach, some of them, even if they don't teach. They're spending so much time with these kids. They get out after practice stuff. They're getting home 8, 9 o'clock at night. Then they got to, you know, be the husband, be the family man, then do it, do it again the next day. So you asking them to probably put in over 90 hours a week. And then you and then and then what gets me a lot of times is you, I have parents call me and say, oh, my, the coach ain't doing nothing, he ain't doing nothing. And I tell him, you know, it's it's you cannot blame it on that coach. And he's got all that stuff he's got to do at school and practice. And then he's got to go home, and he's got to be a father to his kids and a husband to his wife. So you have to – you got to understand, these coaches have a lot on their plate. So we're here to help them out, you know. We're here to help them out. Um, as long as we can help those coaches out, make it easier on them, and, and, and um, help those kids, that's that's our job. You know, and I cannot stand to hear people bash the coaches. That drives me up the wall because I've, I've been there. You know, you get home late at night, and sometimes the wife's mad at you and stuff, and and people don't understand that. So I'm not going. You take Coach Smith; he's probably putting in. He, I think he's an athletic director too. So look at the hours he's got to put in. Then he's got to go home. Mm-hmm. Then he's got to talk to college coaches. Right. Then he's got to turn. Yeah, and then you got to turn to do it the next day. Well. If we got, if, you know, if I'm sending film to the coach and I'm talking to the coach, it, that, maybe that gives him two or three nights off a week, you know, that, that exactly. helps him out. <laughs> and that's what right. we're here for, you know. And we have, we, we and, and now that I, I, I mean, I watch Twitter a lot and I watch a lot of the recruiting things, a lot of guys, and it's, we've got a lot of, a lot of guys starting to step up and, and go, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm going to help out. And I'll watch and see, okay, hey, they're doing good. They're sending film out. They're talking to coaches. They'll message me and say, hey, uh, I don't know this kid, you know this coach information. Can you send some stuff out? Yeah, I don't mind. You know, but then you got the sums you have to stay away from that, you know, just in it for the sales and stuff like that. But sure. as long as it's got, you know, I put, I put uh, me and my staff, I got a great staff, and we put these, we put these kids first always. It's always, I tell them, it's about the kids. It's about the kids. Because I get a lot of people, a lot of people approaching me all the time, um, trying to come in and trying to do this and trying to do that. And when they come at me and they and they don't and they don't talk about the kids and it's just about them 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 and nah, if you can't put a hundred percent focus on those kids, devote your time to it and stuff, 
And you know, I don't I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be able to help the help the kids out, help the coaches out, help the parents out. Because um, you get to see a lot of stuff um, when you're out and you're going to meet kids and stuff, and you get to see you know a lot of the the upbringing on you know, and you go to these places and I'm at because I I see a lot of kids and I go and deliver a lot of belts and stuff and talk to a lot of people and parents and you know and I see when kids need help, I see when parents need help, um, so that's our job you know so we shouldn't be right. out bragging about it or nothing like that I just that's just the way I was raised I, my mom raised me to give back and I believe that I know for a fact that. If I'm talking to Coach Ed on the phone at Georgia State, say, hey, this kid here is so-and-so, and if it's 8 o'clock at night, normally if he's going to call the high school coach, and if that coach is eating dinner or something, and he's, you know, I've got to get back to coach tomorrow. Well, if I've talked to him and gave him some information, that helps that coach out at home. So that's that's right. my job, and, and I love it. I absolutely love it, and um, I'm never going to stop doing it. I'll do it till I'm 100 years old, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're live right now with Kim Brown, of course, with the High School Blitz. Uh, we partnered with these guys back in December. Matter of fact, at Columbia, we were there at the uh, High School State Championship Saturday and watched mm-hmm. a lot of college coaches from around the country. You remember, Ken, that uh, we're just kind of walking around the campus at the University of South Carolina. We saw a lot of five-star coaches doing, well, five-star recruiting around a lot of our great athletes mm-hmm. in the state like you and, and like me. You know, I can interview a lot of guys. You can interview a lot of guys, talk to a lot of guys, but – you know, my passion comes to these young athletes to come in here and talk to us and, and get a chance to hang out with us. We do have a caller who's been patiently waiting, and we're going to head out to the 843 and say uh, good afternoon. Who's with us here live on Southern Sports Central? Hey, Rich, it's Brian Powell. I, uh, I'm here in uh, Mount Pleasant, but I'm uh, hearing a couple rumors about this. Uh, there's some kind of combine in the low country. And there might be a game. I don't know when that game would be, but maybe a north and south of some junior uh, 2022 20, kids. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'll let you talk about that, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. That, yeah, that is true. It's going to be the upstate. It'll be the East-West Junior All-Star game, Junior Showcase game. It's going to be December the 18th at, at uh, River Bluff High School. Uh, we're gonna, it'll be played at 6 o'clock kickoff. It's going to be the top 44 juniors or uh, uh, 22 guys from the lower state. It's the top 44 from the upstate. And um, wow. we'll be having some combines. We'll be having some combines in your area. Uh, we'll be announcing these dates probably in the next two weeks, the date and time. And uh, just bring the kids, bring your kids out, and um, and let them do their let them do their thing. Just you know, root them on, let them do their thing, and then just hope to make the team. And once they, and once they uh, once we get all the all the kids and watch everything. And in the second week of the season, we'll announce the rosters. That's awesome. What about uh, any rules like the uh, Shrine game where only a certain amount of kids from each school can get in? Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be probably, I think, Coach Smith and we talked about it. I think it's going to be like two from each school, but it may be three from each school. It just depends. That depends on a lot. That depends on if it's, if you got three real good kids in our school, you, it's going to be hard to keep them out. Because you only get to pick yeah. 44 yeah. kids. So it's awesome. going to be hard to That's keep exciting. that kid out of there. So, but we'll play by those same rules. But we, 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 that's one thing that there we, we talked about. And, and I, I mean, if it's, if you got three that's good, it's just going to have to happen. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. That's exciting. I love it. So, uh, yeah, we'll be looking for some information about it. 
Yes, sir. I can't wait. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Brian. Thank you. All right, guys, there you go. Nice uh, call there. We're going to head for a quick break. Uh, you're going to hang out with us, uh, I believe, Mr. Ken here for the hour. But, you know, we kind of spoke him up, but we also kind of planned him a little bit as well. And why not bring in, at a break, we'll bring in that other coach that you're talking about, Coach Smitty. He's taken away from uh, driving the bus and dropping off the mills to come in here and hang out with us to talk a little bit more about this event coming up. And uh, we're also going to talk about some of the good things that Coach Smitty has been doing over there in uh, his side of the world as he's making every day a better day around uh, his community, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central live right here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be right back. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached, head is mad at black, got the boots black to match, riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse, I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that forest now, can't nobody tell me From the whistling, from the song to the birds whistling in the background. I'm not sure if it's hanging out with Coach Smee or over there with, uh, well, Coach Brown. Is, uh, we have not one but two great guys hanging out with us here. And, uh, Coach Smitty, I appreciate you taking time from the bus and handing out the food to come hang out with us tonight, man. What's up? No problem. Uh, anytime you guys uh, invite me on, I'm always glad to join. Uh, I appreciate everything you do for high school sports for sure. Well, Eugene and I did a lot of uh, – we get a lot of kicks out of uh, what we get the opportunity to do and who all we get the chance to talk to, man. I mean, it's a blessing 
to just to have these moments. And, uh, of course, I had talked to Ken about coming on, and then I thought to myself, you know what, this is a good opportunity to bring you in here as well because you are also a part of this big combine that we're going to all work together between the radio and you guys are going to do the coaching, and we're going to hand out some belts and high fives, and uh, it's going to be, as the young kids say, lit. It should be a lot of fun come July, and hopefully uh, the restrictions will be minimum, if any at all. Uh, what's one of the things, uh, Coach Lee, that you've, you've heard uh, from your side? I know you get a lot of uh, inbox questions from a lot of players. What are some of the biggest questions that you're kind of dealing with right now as you're one of the coaches uh, that's going to come up in one of these uh, games? Right. Well, the, the biggest um, concern is safety issues, obviously, with the uh, coronavirus still being out there. And, and um, obviously, we, we – have to follow the guidelines that are in place. I saw the NFHS release guidelines um, this week, and that was good, a good start to getting dialogue started on what's going to be needed to get us, you know, back open and going and uh, hopefully, like you said, uh, able to host some events here in the near future. Now, you being an athletic director, you get to wear a couple of hats on the show. Of course, uh, you're also doing some other great things that we're going to talk about. And, and, Ken, you can chime in anytime you want to. Or Eugene, of course, you know how mm-hmm. to do it, buddy. Any of you guys want to tune in. But as an athletic director, you hear a lot of conversations that coaches don't and definitely that I don't. And, and Eugene, of course, uh, we don't get the opportunity to hear as much. But what is the rule of thumb? If, if by chance that we don't get the green light or we do get a green light, can we host this this event that we're talking about doing, of course, with this combine on a high school field? Uh, what what, is, what has to happen for us to get the green light to go to a Myrtle Beach, even though it's owned by the city, it's where Myrtle Beach plays? And then, you know, legally, realistically, can we go to a Charleston Southern and say, hey, look, we have a combine coming up. We need the AstroTurf. Can you guys help? Where, where legally do we stand on this situation as well? Well, again, a lot of that depends on guidelines going forward, and it's hard to predict right now. It's changing daily. So uh, it's kind of a day-by-day basis. Take it as you will. But like I said, the NFHS released some uh, strict guidelines here this week, and that's kind of what all, I believe, high school organizations are going to follow in the near future uh, for Phase 1 reopening where they're requiring – basically uh, temperature tests and, and, and things of that nature um, and also keeping social distancing still. So, so you won't be able to use the same ball on any one player for the first phase and, and you won't, they won't be able to huddle up together and they'll have to be in small groups uh, with each coach. So a, a combine situation is actually uh, doable in that situation where you can uh, properly social distance uh, the combine kids, uh, you know, obviously there'll be no one-on-one situations, but you can test them and uh, run them through the testing pretty quickly where they don't come into contact with um, a large group of kids. So, um, and you could also stage it out where you have uh, times for each group to show up to uh, kind of follow the guidelines. But, but those are the guidelines in place now. Like I said, that's changing daily. Each day we're getting new information and new guidelines. So uh, hopefully by when we're talking about hosting this in July that uh, we're into a different phase by then. We might be phase two, might be phase three, and uh, hopefully that's the case. 
We're live right now, of course, hanging out with us on the Tampon Hotline. There's not one but two guys. Of course, uh, we've got the state covered from the low country to the middle of the state and all the way to the upstate. Ken Brown joins us with the high school blitz up in the Greenville area, Coach Smitty. Brian Smith, of course, from C.E. Murray in Manning, South Carolina. He's the athletic director and the head football coach over there. So we have about every imagining, I guess, opportunity to cover every basis. You know, Ken, are we at that position where we can have some guys and girls ready to go if need be to check temperatures as these athletes come into the field so that we can at least give those mamas and, and a few daddies, I would say, but definitely the mamas a, a little bit more of a peace of mind when their babies come out to, to get this uh, combine underway? Yeah, we'll have all that stuff ready. We're, we're going to do it. Whatever guidelines they set for us to go by, we're going to do it. We'll have them tested. Like when the kids check in and stuff, we check the temperatures and everything. And we're going to, we're going to go strictly with whatever the phase they're in. That's what we're going to go with. And uh, I'll get Coach Smith to keep me up to date on everything. He can email me some stuff. That way we know what we got to do, the guidelines we got to go by to keep everybody safe and everything. And um, hopefully, you know, it's going to move further a little bit longer. We can – we can uh, move everything a little bit longer, a little bit quicker. So it'll probably take a little bit longer to, on the combines, you know, you know, instead of having everybody together, spread everybody out and stuff, it'll probably take a little bit longer on the, you know, building the field a little bit longer and stuff. But, yeah, we'll definitely be you know, doing, doing everything safely. Okay, Smith, let me yeah. ask you this question from the athletic director's point of view. When, when you look at some things that came out a couple of weeks ago, you saw where there were some athletes that were practicing on a football field. We haven't touched on it much because I only want to get this conversation with an athletic director and you're a household right. football coach, so you get to double dip a little bit. But you and I both know it was a simple mistake, but nevertheless a mistake indeed. And, and, and we're pretty sure, right, we're pretty sure that they're not the only group that, that were doing it. They just were the one group that decided to do an oopsie. The old sin button came to bite them. What do you think happens out of this? Have you guys heard anything? And, and, and how serious is the high school league going to handle the situation going forward? Because, again, you know, I, I can promise you that they were not the only school across the country, but definitely not in the state of South Carolina, that at one point has made some time on a, on a field uh, by the high school. Right. Well, I, I, you know, I'd hate to speculate on the situation unless I, I was there in person and could see exactly what went on. I, I only can see that brief video that was posted, and, and that's, you know, I, I can't tell if that was a – the thing that did disturb me was the jugs machine being used. Um, so that, that implies that there was some coach activity maybe, or else they just stole a jugs machine from the school facility um, that was probably unlocked, I'm assuming. But, again, I'd hate to – speculate either way right. I, I wasn't there so so it would be all speculation on our part now as far as the high school league goes you know they kind of set a precedent for that kind of thing back a couple years back I believe they suspended a school from the playoffs actually uh, for hosting an off-season practice out of time and um, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do come up with now again they might not have enough information either because it was just that one video, and they might have found out that there was no uh, coaches involved, and it was just the players kind of ransacking the place. And, and, you know, that happens when, you know, a lot of schools were completely shut down where there's no one on campus at all. And, you know, the players, I guess, took advantage of the situation and um, went out there and uh, kind of broke in and had it, had their way with the field and the equipment. So. <laughs> 
you know, it's just an unfortunate situation that it got um, out there. And I, like I said, I, well, it's going to be interesting to see if any penalties are passed down, but I, I would hate to speculate on it, not knowing all the facts and not being there. Yeah, that was the hardest part that I have too, guys, is if you look at it and uh, you got to put things in perspective, is if a coach, and I'm saying a coach, not a father, not not a friend, but an actual coach wasn't on the field, did, do, is there a way or can you can you hold, you know, a, a teenager, a young kid who is a juvenile, right, who, who is, who, who, uh, is going to make these type of decisions, are you going to hold them accountable without an adult that is, a, that is an official coach on the team that is located on that roster, you know, not, on, not, in, not even in the general location? It, to me, it's hard for them to hold them accountable. It's a bad situation, and I think something happens. Right. But I don't think it's going to get to that right. point to where suspensions are going to happen, even though we, we've, heard, we've heard rumors. We, we understand that word rumors, and I don't deal with rumors very much. But one thing I do deal with is that, you know, my thing is we've been here before. We just haven't been here this long. Hurricanes have come through here and have shut our state down. I don't know, what was it, two or three years in a row we had smoke from another fire from another state that seemed like it shut us down one time. I mean, it's right. not uncommon that we miss weeks of practice because schools are shut down. The rule is the rule. It is what it is. I just hate to see a kid's eagerness become his punishment, and that could be what we could deal with. Now, uh, one thing before I go to Eugene, because, Eugene, I know you have a few things you want to throw out here too, buddy, but when it goes back to you, Coach Smitty, uh, they say June 1st and, and all of this. Realistically, what do you think when it gets back to getting these kids in the weight room? Because for me, uh, you know, Coach, uh, one of the uh, athletic trainers uh, who's at Somerville right. released an incredible article that we retweeted or, or a statement or whatever. Coach Little is his name, Scott Little. And he talked about parents, get your kids ready now. Buy these water bottles. Buy the things. Prepare them today for what we're going to be doing tomorrow because it'll be here before you know it. But when it gets here, are we realistically thinking that we can get these kids in the weight room? Because I'm worried about the, the physical being of these kids because you can work out in your yard, you can do a lot of things, but you're burning off all the actual weight and even the fat, of course, as well, but you're not putting it back on as you would in the weight training and you would in the weight programs, Coach Mitty. What, what's your thought of right. how quick do we get these kids well, back in the weight room to get them strong? I, I, I released, if you notice, I released a plan on Twitter for the upcoming fall season just to kind of throw some ideas out there, um, knowing what we know, knowing the facts that are in place now, knowing that Notre Dame and South Carolina both said they're going to, you know, basically shut their campuses down come November. Um, so that, that moves our timelines up a bit. And also, like you said, we've been out of season for so long now with no spring practice going to take us a while to get the kids conditioned again and, and I don't believe the governor is going to give us the green light June 1st I, I think it's going to be small groups June 1st uh, and it, what that means is 10 or less at a time um, and that's what we've seen happen in other states is it's 10 or less at a time so you can monitor them properly distance them properly all those new terms we're learning about so I think June 1st will be 10 or less in a weight room type setting. Uh, you might even have to bring the weights outdoors. Um, I, I don't know if they'll allow you indoors in the schools yet um, because of the, you know, obviously this is a kind of semi-airborne virus where it lasts in the air for 14 to 16 seconds. So 
Um, I do believe they might make you weight train them outside and you have to move the weights outside, which will be, you know, cumbersome, but it can be done. Um, but I do think we're going to need a, an acclim- a larger acclimatization period, and that's why I called in the plan I put on Twitter to start the season August 28th instead of August 21st, uh, like is – all you know, which, which most, which we're scheduled to start August 21st on a week zero game, um, but I think August 28th is is more of a realistic goal to getting our guys ready for that pounding they're going to take for that uh, season, and then from there out, I, I see us playing. You know, I, I would see us playing a reduced schedule. I don't, I don't think we're going to get a full ten games in. Um, I hope we do, but I don't think we'll get the full 10 in. And so I, I called for, you know, and the plan that I, I propose is, is to have region games and then some type of bowl system to kind of give finality to a season. Um, and, and we don't know, again, it's changing every day. It's all speculation. Uh, we don't know for sure, but at least we have a plan. And I think that's important to have a plan. Hey, Coach, this is uh, Eugene uh, Schmitty. I was actually up in that area that with the school we were talking about a, little, a few minutes ago uh, and had a conversation with someone who's actually involved in that and can say, you know, pretty confidently it was not a coach. It was a parent of one of the players, but there were 15 total players and uh, it, some, you know, the shed or the whatever was opened for that jugs machine to come out. Now, this person is – uh, higher-ranking individual and said that they were told the initial ruling is going to be no playoffs based on that precedent that you had mentioned because, you know, obviously if you don't start following precedents, what's the point of setting them? But, uh, you know, right. they are expecting they are expecting that, that ruling to come down. Um, one wow. thing, you know, you were talking about with the uh, the conditioning, and, and I saw it, you know, when I was, when I was coaching at, at Oceanside the past three years, um, the amount of injuries – went down for the team, for those guys who were, you know, who had bought into the weight room and were year-round. And that's what I'm thinking about, and that's what I'm concerned with, is the the level of injuries, you know, God forbid we see any, but, you know, the level Correct. of injuries that will come out this season because of, especially if you go to a full season, you know, just because, you know, these guys haven't been in the, the quote-unquote weight room, you know, with, with an actual coach or strength and conditioning uh, program, since March, you know, and so that's a, you know, a good three and a half months off. And then they're only allowed to lift and condition, you know, a little bit under certain circumstances, you know, it, it's far from, you know, what we had. And so these guys have lost, you know, a good three and a half, four months of, of building on what they had. And then there, there's gotta be a greater concern for injuries because like I said, I, I witnessed it, you know, our, our, our uh, head trainer had said, you know, with the strength coach that Oceanside hired, it was a blessing to him. You know, and, and made his job a lot easier because he had a lot fewer injuries to deal with just because of having that top-notch strength program and all those kids bought in. Right. Well, I know myself as a coach and um, athletic director, we with this season, the way it's playing out, and, I, again, I don't know a start date yet. I'm assuming uh, we have the regular start date, which is the last week in July. Um if it's that date, then I'm probably not going to play any scrimmages or jamborees just for the fact that I know 
Um, I got a week zero game on the 21st if it stays true to form. Uh, I need to have as many days as possible getting my guys ready physically that they missed already to catch them up in order to be ready for a game August 21st. Um, so I, I don't think scrimmages and, and jamborees will be in our, our plan. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do more practicing than scrimmages and jamborees and cut those out and <clears throat> get ready to, like I said, if the season stays true to form when we start August 21st. Um, that and You know, that that's why I was referring to uh, starting the season a week late, August 28th, putting a, a, a date on that. Um, and, again, we, we, we'll we know more here in the next couple of weeks. So, again, I hate to speculate, but uh, I, I would think the high school league is cognizant of the safety risk um, involved with um, our kids having this much time off. And, again, you know, we, we, we're sound, sounding kind of selfish just <laughs> – mentioning a you know a season at all when the spring got nothing so uh we got to be thankful too that we're even discussing having a season and uh the possibilities of that happening knowing that uh those spring guys didn't get that opportunity and uh you know that so hopefully we hopefully we do hopefully like i said these guidelines will um come out here in the next couple weeks and they'll keep improving as as the weeks go by and uh we'll be able to um change our plans as they go but safety has to be the utmost importance we cannot just throw these guys out there like it was a normal year and expect no injuries to happen and like you said if we do that there's going to be catastrophic injuries and that's not what we want uh if we want what's best for our kids and I don't think you're going to be the only one to cancel or, or not have any type of scrimmages or things like that. Because if you remember last year, the high school league changed the rule with how many scrimmages, not only how many you could have, but there had to be a certain amount of dates in between. And those dates have yeah, to come from the first leagues and, 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 and basically you can, you know, at the most you can get two scrimmages and a jamboree in with the current rules as they are anyway. So, I think right. we're going to see a lot of schools going away from scrimmages and, and jamborees this year, especially knowing how much time we've missed. Um, I just don't I, I don't see how it's going to be uh, how it's going to be done in that short of time period. Well, it's, it's sure going to make it interesting in the film room preparing for that first actual game, you know, for, right. for both sides. Right. <laughs> you're not just going. You're not really going to have a lot. Exactly, and um, you know that's gonna, you know, again, it's gonna be a new new deal, and then we're, we, and again, if we get that opportunity, we we need to be thanking uh, Jesus and God all to the hills because you know the spring didn't get that opportunity, and, and we we're we would be so fortunate for that to happen for us to um, kind of start off a new um, sports year. Uh, that that would be unbelievable. And um, I think, you know, it would pick up a lot of people's spirits as well if we get that opportunity. Now, of course, we want to be as safe as possible in doing that. that, that that's got to be number one. Yeah, and then even uh, as a trickle-down effect, so to speak, you know, you, you have the, the coaches and the players and the trainers and everybody on the field. But, you know, just looking at the college game and the pro game, you know, there, there may be some concern with how many fans are allowed inside the stadium 
you know, with whole distancing and all that too. So I'm sure that's going to be uh, something else that they, the leagues have to look at. But, right. But, uh, well, I know that the NFHS guidelines call for no fans. Um, and, and, and someone that, that like means, you, you know, you can certainly appreciate that. You know, we've, we've discussed, you know, what, what you've experienced through this, through this situation and the tragedy you guys have been through. But, right. uh, you know, and, and so, you know, I understand from you, you have to look at it from both sides. Athletic director, you know, I need, I, we need the revenue to run our program. Right. You know, as a coach, I want my fans to cheer on my boys, you know, and everybody else. Right. But, you know, you mm-hmm. also have the other uh, appreciation of just how, you know, things can turn bad for a family. Exactly. Well, the big elephant in the room for all athletic directors right now is, as you know, homecoming is the biggest event for every high school, and homecoming is always during football season. Uh, And that's the one game that every school in our state makes basically their half of their entire athletic budget. So, that that's a real big elephant in the room. If if teams aren't aren't able to um, have fans or or a traditional homecoming, um, it's going to be real hard to continue um, sports without outside from somewhere. Whether it's the state, whether it's the federal government, someone's going to have to step in and give us some money to keep it going until we can get past this virus deal. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for you guys, you know, like, you know, we talk about the, the combine and all this other stuff you're putting in, you know, there, the other element, uh, you know, you got a football team there, you got the fans in the stands, and you also have, you know, a lot of schools have these awesome bands, you know, and these guys are usually packed in there shoulder to shoulder and cheering on the crowd. So, you know, th- that element may be taken out. Or, right. Or, you know, and that, was, about- that was another guy, NFHS also uh, in their guidelines this week discouraged um, having bands in the stands, and and um, I, I hate that. You know, our, Steve Murray used to have one of the most famous bands in the state, and and you know they used to be a hundred strong, and then march shoulder to shoulder and put on a great show for everybody. And, and gosh, you know, I, it, it it will be weird not having a band in the stands. But again, we got to follow these new guidelines. Um, if, that, if that's the guideline, you know, like I said, they're changing pretty much uh, weekly. So we'll find out uh, next month, I guess, what the new guidelines are. But uh, right, as of right now, they're they're calling for no bands at all at the games. Well, uh, you know, before you came on, when we were talking to Mr. Brown there, and we had a caller and, and some questions about the uh, the combines coming up, and I know there's a lot of people looking at this junior game because. Typically in South Carolina, as you guys know, it's only been you look at the Shrine Bowl and North-South game. So this is a great opportunity for some younger guys to kind of get their feet wet in some some type of competition like this. Uh, being as a head coach, is there something you know? If we got some listeners out there, some parents, some players, you know, other than obviously you know you want your 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 numbers, your size, and your forty times. Some of the things that you you're looking at as a head coach when you're uh, doing your evaluations for some of these young bucks who are you know, looking to come out and make a big splash and impress you and get on that roster. Right. Well, the main thing we're looking at is their, their high school film. Um, so I would encourage all of them to uh, get their film together, whether it's JV film or whether it's varsity film, and uh, pass that along to Ken Brown or, or, or myself or um, Coach Wilcox for the upstate. And 
we'll evaluate that film and, and, you know, pick the best 44 guys based off of that as well as, you know, kind of what we see in person. So, and, and, you know, with the assistant coaches on staff, they'll be monitoring too. And we're going to monitor the first couple games this season as well to um, see how they progressed last year to this year. And that, that'll be a big deal as well for them to send us their film from the first two games this year uh, before we make our final decision on that roster. I know one of I mine think, that I train has been by eyeing you and following your social media pretty tight, <laughs> man. He had a he had a big day today, and you know he was uh, he texted me earlier and was like, "Hey, man, make sure you send that to coach when he comes on the show tonight. Make sure you tag him with my letter." So, so I tagged you earlier in his letter. He uh, was invited to compete in a uh, finalist nationally uh, for for the kickers. He's a 2022 oh. guy, and. Uh, that was a pretty big. That's a pretty big moment for him. He's ranked 20th in the nation and first uh, for South Carolina in his class for 2022. But getting that invite to that uh, national combine in Wisconsin for kickers is pretty elite for him. I think it, right. it goes out to about the top 30 or 40. And he's uh, he uh, texts me. He's like, I know he's coming on, man. And I've been following him on social media. So right, yeah. well, I, I definitely yeah. saw it. Tell him, and uh, we're definitely eyeballing him and. Um, you know, I think this game would is going to be a huge deal for our state because our, our state's still a little bit underlooked and um, not as heavily recruited as some of the other states um, neighboring us. Um, and I don't know why the reason that is, because if you look at per capita, our guys perform better than mostly every other state, but yet we're still un- under-recruited um, based upon uh, what other states are doing. I know um, the Charlotte area right now, for whatever re- reason, is um, a recruiting hotbed where, I mean, you just got to go to school in Charlotte and you got an offer. You don't even have to play, I don't think. That's but, true. <laughs> but that is um, true. but we're, we're trying to get there with South Carolina, and I think this game will be a big part of that, uh, getting more exposure to the state where um, – you know, give those colleges another opportunity to say, wow, you know, yeah, there's some guys we missed, you know, and now we can get ahead and they can start recruiting these uh, kids um, a little earlier. They'll be able to see them play in that game and, and see them play against, you know, great competition because I'm imagining you'll have, you know, guys like Jaden Lucas and uh, Jalen Sneed and, uh, all the, you know, the kid from Myrtle Beach, the Randall kid. I mean, there, there's some great kids in that um, 2022 class that already have 30, 40 offers already. But we want to get our state to the point, like I said, where, you know, the top 100 all has 30, 40 offers. Um, so exactly. that, that's what we're working on. And uh, that that's what we're working on. And that's what we want. We want exposure for all the kids in the state. And uh, real, that's important. Real quick, because I know Richie's bug telling me we got to get the break, but uh, it might be a question for either you or for Mr. Brown there. Um, now, I know it's an all-star game, but these guys are juniors, not seniors. I know college coaches can't come and talk to seniors like at the Shrine Bowl, but would, uh, would college coaches be able to uh, come to the stands and watch the game in December? I don't think the D1 guys can. No, D one can't. They can't. They yeah, can't D1 watch can't. the stand, but they'll definitely watch the film. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. I didn't think they could. Come. I didn't think they could sit in the stands either. But I didn't know if it was a different role because they were juniors. But uh, anyway, uh, they'll be looking at. They'll be watching the Twitter the whole time and everything on that game. 
<laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, guys, I appreciate it. I want to say this. First of all, we're, we're going to try to do what we can, guys, to hopefully broadcast this on Southern Sports Central so they can listen to us. And, and who knows, maybe we'll Facebook Live it while we do it at the same time because with all uh, the social media. I think radio is getting ready to hit a stride. So if you don't own any stock, you might want to find some radio stock in, uh, in the next couple of months because I think radio is getting ready to take a whole new angle in the world of sports due to the fact that the fans in the stands isn't going to happen right away. Before I send you away, of course, I want to thank Mr. Ken Brown from High School Blitz. Ken, you joined us, of course, for the entire hour. Uh, it means a lot. What advice do you have to give those underclassmen and those kids that are currently working on that dream to get to the next level, man? What would you like to leave behind before we bring you back next week? Just keep grinding. Keep doing what they're doing. Keep posting those videos and Working out, I mean, we we get tagged them all the time, and they they're, they're not sitting on their butts. They out there still grinding and stuff. Can't wait for the season to start. Just just keep grinding, and, we're, and uh, you're gonna get there, and we're gonna help you get there. Well, we're looking forward to uh, continuing to work with you guys. Uh, we appreciate the love and, and the opportunity to work with the high school blitz. You guys are a first class group, and we're blessed to be able to say that. Hey, man, we're brothers in the same version of doing what we do and going after the same dream. We're just coming at it from a different angle. Now to you, uh, Coach Smitty, man, the love that you continue to give me and, and my group out here at Southern Sports Central, man, anything you need at all. C.E. Murray at Trip to Manning seems to be quite on point. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get into it, but for the meals on wheels that you not only hand out, but you drive the meals on wheels, I, I want to say, man, much love, respect to you. Uh, there's a lot of Charlestonians down here that love you to death. You're a Citadel guy. Of course, that automatically uh, gets you in down here in the low country. You know how that works more than anybody with that, uh, <laughs> with that background <laughs> that you got. But uh, let me ask you real quick, how's your dad doing, man? That, that to me, under all the other stuff, well, that, I, I should have led with that, but how's he doing? Right. Well, we got great news. Uh, after five and a half weeks, he was released to home, and uh, he's doing, doing much better, and uh, we're, we're definitely blessed. You know, my, my wife family wasn't as fortunate as her father uh passed away sure. but uh my my dad through made it through and uh we're we're definitely blessed that he did well coach i'm going to ask you the same thing as an athletic director as a as a uh, head football coach here in the great state of south carolina and by the way you've got a commissioner listening in all the way from the big south calculators on hold so he's coming out after you guys at the top of the hour uh, what would you like to, to leave behind to these athletes who are working out, uh, Coach Smitty? Uh, what kind of advice would you like to leave them as we uh, send you away as well? Right. I, I just tell them that, you know, take, don't ever take anything for granted. You know, just um, be as safe as you possibly can, but, but don't take anything for granted. Be thankful for every day you have on earth and, and don't let a day go to waste and, Keep striving and keep plugging and keep praying, and everything's going to be all right. Well, brother, our hearts and prayers with you and your your, your wife, of course, with her father, and God bless the, the miracle that's happening with your father. I know it's it's kind of a bittersweet over there in Manning, South Carolina, man, but for what you do on the buses of handing out food, it, it is an honor to have the opportunity to give you the love here on the air. And, of course, uh, for you over there, Coach, uh, Coach Brown, with the high school blitz, man, uh, we can't wait for that belt, but we also can't wait to be a part of uh, the upcoming, you know, camp that we're getting ready to do with the combine. Uh, you got it, man. I appreciate you having me again.
Always a pleasure. So Coach Smitty, y'all take care. We'll see you next time, guys. Take care. We Thank appreciate you. you guys. Thank you. See you. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That, of course, is not one but two guys uh, from around the state of South Carolina. Ken Brown, of course, with the high school blitz. He hands out the bling, but he hands out the opportunity with all the great things that he does year in, year out, day in and day out. And, of course, Coach Smitty, he's an athletic director. He's a head football coach. It's kind of a thing of the past. You don't see that much anymore, but it is happening at C.E. Murray in the Manning, South Carolina area. we got a break because we're coming back with a commissioner. That's right. The commissioner's joining us once again from the Big South. Uh, Mr. Calcolander, right out of break, guys. You're listening to Southern Sports Central right here on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Rich Elman alongside Coach Eugene Benton, who's pushing the buttons, tweeting throughout the show, and helping us get this thing up and moving as we are live in Somerville, South Carolina, coming to you from the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Studios. And, again, now we head back to the Tent Farm Hotline, where we say this segment's brought to you by our friends over at Simmons Barbershop, located at 139 North Main Street in downtown Somerville. You can reach out to them and see if the line is long or – well, it's worth the wait, and trust me, I'm sure the line's long. 843-873-2861. I hope to get in there on Saturday and catch up with some old friends here as well. But we do now head back to the hotline, and we've got the commissioner here with us from the Big South, Coach uh, Kyle Kalander. What's up, Mr. Kalander? How you doing? Uh, you know, considering everything, I think I'm doing outstanding. How are you? Uh, wonderful. First of all, how's the family doing? And do you, I, I don't remember whether you have young ones in the house or not, but uh, give us a rundown and update on the most important thing, and that's your family. How you guys doing? Well, I appreciate asking. Uh, everybody's doing great. You know, we're doing just fine. I'm getting a little stir crazy, kind of ready for things to open up a little bit. We should, we wish we were in South Carolina. You guys are a little step ahead of us here in North Carolina, but uh, we're doing great. Thanks for asking. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I can only imagine, you know, I say this all the time. Moms and dads have become, you know, the principal, the janitor, the school teacher, the nurse, you name it. They're doing it all here. And, uh, you know, I had one parent look at me and say, you know, I realized that the teacher's been lying to me the whole time. My kids are not that good. <laughs> they're not listening. So whatever they're doing, <laughs> I need them back. So, you know, there's an appreciation for the world that we have now for teachers. And, and of course, those in the grocery stores. And like you mentioned, you're there, I believe, in Charlotte, North Carolina. And we actually were just in Charlotte in hour one with one of our guests. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or not that we're moving faster than you guys, but I am excited to see some new normalcy. And, again, even, you know, I know you guys don't do NASCAR, and I'm not sure if you guys have one of your colleges on the car riding in the circles, but there in Charlotte where the hub for NASCAR is, it was nice to see, you know, those guys back in at least they, you know, Darlington and getting back after it. And actually, I think they're racing tonight in the truck series. Well, they're trying to go tonight. I have a son who's a huge NASCAR fan, so we, we do follow. And I, I did my boogity-boogity tweet the other night. I was ready to get some live sports going. So, absolutely, I'm excited. We've been to Darlington, been to a race down there. It's outstanding. So, looking forward to uh, the tour coming to Charlotte next week. Well, let me ask you this. For my 30th birthday, which was 12 years ago, I had an opportunity to go to Charlotte Motor Speedway to the Richard Petty Driving School have you ever had – I'm sure you have. If you haven't, you know, if you have, tell us about that because I'm going to tell you, I had no idea how fast they go until you get in one of those things. And usually by the time you get comfortable, the ride's over. But, man, what an experience. It literally is an experience like it says in the name. 
Yeah, I have not, but my son did it. And so we were out there watching. They came in, and, you know, it just like, kind of looked like you go for a casual lap around the track. They come in and say, yeah, we averaged 160. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. It took it took me three weeks to wipe, wipe the smile off my son's face, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it was the same for me. And there was a lady, and, I, and we're going to get to some football and some spring sports and a lot of sports that, that we do know about over there, of course, in, uh, in the Big South. But, you know, there was a lady, she was 88 years old. Uh, commissioner and and really? I had no idea how fast I was going until so I passed her on the apron and it was like wow I mean it was almost like it, it's unheard of uh, how quick she passed by me or I passed by her but you know it's good to see that sport it's sad to see the sport kind of you, you remember Rockingham and and Wilkesboro and now Myrtle Beach's yeah. Speedway they're actually getting ready to go away so you know the, the, that kind of stuff you're starting to see which is going to kind of segue me into to our conversation. Um, in another conference uh, that you guys are aware, of course, in, in the uh, Southern Conference, Furman University had to just, uh, I, I guess, decide a huge decision yesterday to downgrade some of their uh, sports. And baseball and lacrosse took a hit. As a commissioner, and, and you, of course, oversee all the sports. You guys are the, like, you, you are the athletic directors, if you will, for the conference that you never sleep. The season never really ever ends for you all. Has this become an issue, and, and how shocking is it when you start to see track and field and baseball and lacrosse start to take uh, shape and start to become victims of this COVID-19? Well, it's it's really sad, and uh, you hate to see it because those are opportunities lost for student-athletes, and, and certainly those programs have history and tradition. Uh, you know, and so I was a little surprised. I'm not uh, really familiar with Furman, but a little surprised to see that they, they had to take that action. But, but also, I you know, going into this pandemic, you know, what I said first thing was I was just concerned about the universities, um, you know, because enrollment uh, trends are declining anyway. And so many institutions are so reliant on the enrollment and the revenue that comes through tuition and room and board that um, to number one, lose all that for the spring semester or a good portion of it, number one. And then uh, you're concerned about who's going to come back to school in the fall. Um, I just really had a lot of concern about the overall health of the institution. So that, of course, has, a, has an effect on the athletics department, especially when you're talking about SCS programs, mid-major programs that don't have the huge media contracts that they rely on. So, um, you know, our, our athletic departments rely a lot on student fees. And so when you've got declining enrollments or uh, potentially no school at all, uh, that's devastating to a program. So all of our institutions are really uh, challenged to figure out how to best save money, how to maximize our revenue. And uh, certainly everybody's taken a haircut this year and we hope it's going to be short lived. And, but nevertheless, uh, you know, it's really a critical time right now for college athletics. We're live right now. The commissioner of the big South, uh, commissioner Kyle Kalander joins us for one of many visits that he's best this here on Southern sports central uh, Mr. Galander, when you kind of put this up together, and I thought this while you were talking about the college food chain and how this thing kind of is a circle of life within the campus and the confines of how important college football is to not, of course, only to one sport, but to the entire athletic department. How big a role is it? Let's use Charleston Southern. It's within an arm reach. It's the closest one to uh, our studios here in Charleston. You know, without them putting the lights on and putting the individuals in the seats and, of course, on the field – how big is that when it comes down to a season that may or may not happen? And then 
be realistic of it, maybe starting a little bit later with a different looking schedule to go with it. Number one, you have seen recently a lot of universities adding football. Uh, and so you've actually seen growth in the sport recently. And, uh, you know, it's not, not necessarily at the highest levels where you are making all that uh, money through your football program, but it's, it's programs like those in the Big South uh, that understand and recognize that football is, uh, is a sport that really brings the community together. It brings fans and, and community on campus. There's a lot of spirit around football. Uh, it's something to really celebrate the university as a whole and celebrate uh, you know, certainly the athletics and all the history and tradition. So when you lose that, you really lose an integral part, an integral piece of the university, not just the athletic department, but really the university as a whole because, you know, it's not just the athletic director that's trying to take advantage of, uh, of that opportunity, but it's the university president and the vice president for development and, and everybody else. So, you know, if you're not playing football, uh, you know, it really is a huge hole and a huge gap uh, in, in the college experience. But um, I'll tell you what, in talking to our presidents and chancellors, um, they're bound and determined to have on-campus instruction this fall, and, and they have publicly said that. So I am confident and optimistic that not only will we have class on campus this fall, but we'll have a full football season and, and all of our other sports as well. You just became our favorite guest of all time in 2020. I love it. I love it. I love it. And that's the thing for me because – you guys, a few years ago, you changed your logo, and, and you guys, I tell you, got one of the best-looking logos in college football as far as conference goes. I love everything about it there. It's very slick. It's got its own, you know, dynamic. Of course, it's very impactful as you look at it. It stands alone, and, and I think that's what you guys were looking for, and it looks incredible over at Charleston Southern where I've had a chance to see it up and close and personal. When you look at this, what kind of conversation are these, these football players having because again these are guys who are used to staying on campus as you mentioned there and that's that quality of campus life is a huge part of their growing not only on the field but off the field and the coaches that are able to kind of maintain what type of restrictions coming from the commissioner side are you do you have on these football coaches the athletic departments and, and of course I guess zoom is the newest thing there that everybody should be buying stock in because that's how I believe they're keeping up with their athletes well, initially, when we first shut it all down, we, the Big South Conference did take a, take a position where it was very restrictive because our presidents were concerned that actually too many students would want to stay on campus. Um, so we did kind of lock everybody out at that point in time. But after a few weeks to a month, we, uh, we opened it up and allowed access and communication uh, and, and the ability for you know, strength and conditioning coaches and others to be able to uh, speak to the student athletes and keep them involved. And, and it, it, you know, as, as we've kind of gotten into this and, uh, and hopefully are getting through it, you know, we do recognize and understand the importance of athletics to our student athletes and, and the importance of that connection that, that, that it brings. And so I think it's really critical. And I've, I've been speaking with our strength and conditioning coaches this week and others and really, really thanking them for staying involved with their student athletes and, and thanking them for reaching out because they really need that at this time. Uh, you know, you, you go from being a part of a community and a part of a team with your teammates and coaches and, and uh, you know, your, your group uh, to all of a sudden not having that. And now you're home and now you're not able to work out and you're not able to do the things you usually do. And, you know, student athletes are really busy on campus. So, uh, and of course, everybody's schedule is upset, but I think especially our student athlete who, you know, has so many things going on. So really, really important. And, and uh, 
appreciate the the work that our our institutions are doing in really staying connected uh, with our students, whether it's just talking about how they're doing or you know working with them on making sure they understand what the you know the workout opportunities are for them voluntarily. Uh, so it's uh, it's a challenge. It's, there's no question, but. Uh, you know, we're talking right now about what, what it looks like in the summer, and hopefully we can have some additional access. We're live right now the Commissioner of the Big South. Uh, Commissioner Kyle Kalander joins us here on Southern Sports Central to talk about, you know, state of the, the mindset. Of course, so where the not only world of college football is, but we're having an inside look at the Big South here. And let's go back to the spring sports. I don't think ever anyone ever really thought, because we're always told this as athletes, play every game like it's your last game. But it really came to tuition this past season. Uh, Commissioner, talk to us a little bit about this. When this news came through, and you're, I would imagine, one of the first to get it there in your position there, did it kind of catch you, and did you have to double read it, or was this a voice conversation? And then how quick did you have to get one-on-one with your, I guess, campus by campus to get this word out, well, look, it's time to shut it down. And did you think when it was done, did you think that we would ever go back at it? Well, it was really surreal. Um, we were we were right in the middle of our women's basketball tournament, and um, in fact, we had I think we had already completed the first round on Tuesday, and the quarterfinals were about to start up uh, on that Thursday, and everything just started falling apart. So, you know, at first, of course, it was the NBA and what they did, and then the NCAA took the action they did, and and I was kind of really hoping that you know we'd be able to retain some semblance of uh, of athletics, but you really just didn't have a choice at that point. And so, you know, it was just heartbreaking. It's just heartbreaking. You need to go and, you know, and, and tell the student athletes, I'm sorry, you can't, you can, you can't warm up anymore for the basketball game. It's supposed to be taking place. We had a, we had a double header softball uh, series going on at, at Campbell and uh, the student athletes came off the field after the first game and they had to be told, sorry, you can't play the second game. You're, you're heading back back to Gardner Webb. And uh, it was just, you know, it's just that, that kind of thing that was just, I mean, it's the right thing to do at the time, but gosh, you never forget that you had to take those opportunities away from those student athletes. And, and that was really probably the thing that's been the hardest uh, to have to, to have to deal with here. We've tried to, we've tried to express that to them. We've tried to express our appreciation for everything they've done and what they've meant to their institutions and the conference, but you can't replace those lost opportunities. Live right now, of course, with the commissioner of the Big South, Commissioner Kyle Kalander. When when they started putting things down, and I did tip my cap to the NCAA by allowing these new rules that have come come in place. Uh, first of all, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, you know, the allowing this senior class to come in without looking, I guess, or, or putting as much emphasis on the uh, SAT and the uh, the other testing that comes through to get them in the college doors. And then when it comes to the seniors allowing them to come back for a senior season. How hard was it uh, for you guys, first of all, to, to manage, and how are you going to maneuver the scholarships around uh, when it comes down to the kids that decide to come back, to the new kids that come in, and then talk a little bit about how they're wavering some of the testing uh, that's going to allow some of these young men and women to come on the campus now? Well, the right thing to do is to be as flexible as we could with the with providing the opportunities for the student athletes. So you certainly, you know, given the the current environment, you didn't want to make things more difficult. And if you're not able to go take the SAT, you know, how can you require, you know, a test score for uh, for initial eligibility? So 
Um, so, so being flexible and defaulting on the side of the student-athletes is the right thing to do. And certain, certainly the NCAA and, and all the member institutions recently have really uh, taken that seriously in a number of ways and provided more opportunities uh, for the student-athletes. So, uh, so that's number one. Um, you know, number two, the, the scholarship issue of returning senior class is really a challenge. I mean, we do have some institutions that are, are providing those opportunities, but it's not just providing those, those, those opportunities for the student athletes to come back and compete, but if they're on scholarship, then that's real money that you got to come up with in order to effectively have an additional class on scholarship. So in some cases, that's, that's pretty expensive. Um, but, but it's not just expensive for the, for the uh, institutions, though. It's expensive for a lot of these, these student athletes and their families as well because most of the spring sports student athletes are on partial scholarships. So they may only be getting 25% or 50% of a scholarship and their families got to come up with the rest. So uh, to come back and pay for a whole nother year of school is a big challenge as well. So, um, you know, it's the right thing to do. No question. We want to provide them those opportunities that they lost, uh, but it doesn't come without some challenges. And, uh, and I'm grateful for the fact that some of our institutions are able to bring some of those student athletes back that were interested um, and, and provide those opportunities. But, you know, a lot of the student-athletes, they already had jobs lined up. They already had uh, careers ahead of them that they were going to. So they didn't really – I mean, they had the opportunity perhaps, but they couldn't necessarily give up a job offer either. So um, really, a, really a challenging environment that we're all trying to, to work our way through, but we're always going to default to the student-athlete and trying to do what's best for them. And, and Commissioner, this is Eugene. I just had a quick question. I'm sure you saw the news coming out of a school like Furman and, um, and, and having to or making the decision to close down the baseball and uh, men's lacrosse program. Now, as a commissioner, if a school in the Big South had come, you know, to, to the conference table and says, you know, Commissioner, you know, we're having a, a difficult time here. You know, we really don't want to shut this program down. Is that something that a conference could help it? with or is it would that be you know kind of i guess violating some type of uh you know um fair competition thing is, is is that out of you know a commissioner's reach to be able to step in and help one of the members like that yeah it's really an institutional decision so um i don't think there are any conferences across the country even those that have the most money uh that really are able to directly support a program like that um obviously you you try to provide as much revenue back to the institutions as you can to help their athletic programs but um you know it's it's an institutional decision we don't you know some conferences have what they would consider what they call their priority sports where every institution must sponsor certain sports we don't have that in the big south because we believe that every institution should have the autonomy to determine what's what's best for them and what you know, some institutions might prioritize baseball, some might prioritize softball, some might prioritize volleyball. So uh, we believe there should be that, that institutional autonomy and flexibility in terms of sports sponsorship. Um, but uh, you do try to support them as much as, as you can so that they have the resources. But it's really a challenge, as I was saying earlier, especially at our level, uh, to be able to, to fund a broad-based program. It's, it's becoming a bigger challenge all the time. Now, I haven't had a chance to look at all the, the football schedules for your member institutions, but, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, early in the season, maybe a couple of your schools have, you know, the quote-unquote money games. Um, have you guys been in contact with the bigger schools, uh, uh, you know, with how those m may, you know, still go forward? Because, 
you know, such with with the conference like the Big South, those mm-hmm. big money games just are huge because not only is it fun to football, but other sports. Have you guys been in contact with some of the bigger schools to see, you know, uh, what what can be done or if those things are are quote unquote still still scheduled as is? Yeah, our institutions certainly have, and um, you know, everybody's looking at various contingencies of, of what things look like. Um, you know, my as I said earlier, my my plan at this point, you know, we're planning for a full season for every game and starting on time now. You may have individual institutions that might be forced to be in a different schedule because uh, of what their state is doing. I mean, look at our football. Got a school in New Jersey. So New Jersey is probably going to be in a little little bit different schedule uh, than the rest of our schools. But we're still hopeful, and I know Monmouth is still planning on on starting starting early – or, yeah, early September. Um, So it's it's really a tricky thing in that regard, and and we've – as we've talked about the various contingencies, we've prioritized the conference schedule, certainly. So the most important thing is we get our conference games in. Uh, now, secondly, the, yeah, those guaranteed games are really important to our football schools. I mean, you're going out and making four or $500,000. That's a pretty good chunk of your, your budget. So if you're losing a guarantee game, that's going to put you in a pretty significant hole. So after the conference schedule, they want to try to make sure that they're getting those games in. Now, if you're playing that game on September 3rd or September 5th and you're not going to start your season until September 15th or October 1st, there's probably not a chance that you're going to be able to reschedule that somewhere. So those are all issues that we're looking at and trying to, uh, uh, trying to figure out if there are different opportunities to, to save things, if there is any kind of a, a delay, but, uh, but it's really going to be a challenge. And, and of course, you know, we all, we all kind of have to work together on that. Right. So, especially in the non-conference, non-conference season, you've got to have somebody to play. No doubt about it. We're live right now with the commissioner of the Big South. The one and only commissioner, Kyle Kalander, joins us as always by request. And it means more to me and, and Coach, uh, as well as Eugene, who uh, anytime you guys, we reach out, you never, ever, you know, take even minutes. You're always right away. And, and you're usually even, I think one time, we did this interview with you sitting in an airport. So, you know, we greatly yeah, appreciate the right. love and, and the opportunity. If you remember the airport interview, it was awesome. But uh, that just shows me how much I you're do. willing to I, do whatever I, I you wish... can to promote us. And all. No, absolutely. Right? I wish I was sitting in an airport right now. I tell you what, you know, it would be, be nice to be out there traveling. But, no, we appreciate you. We appreciate all you do to, to support the Big South and all, all the college athletics in this area. Well, let me ask you this. So there's young athletes listening right now, Commissioner, who are dreaming big. And I tell them, don't stop dreaming, don't stop moving, and don't stop achieving, right? And, and so with that, it's a little tough right now. You know, they're getting their homeschool kids now, and they weren't made to be homeschool kids. So for every kid that ever sat in a classroom in the high school or even, well, high school, we'll just stay in the high school room, that said, man, I'm going to be homeschooled. I bet they think differently now. But with that being said, there's not much of the normal they're used to. They're, they're having to work out on their own because facilities have been closed. You know, what advice do you have to a young athlete that wants to come in and, and be a huge part of the Big South? Because if you look at the draft, man, I'm telling you, go big. Go to the Big South because they're drafting kids all over the country. It doesn't matter if you're in what they call that power five. Just you got to be powerful and be on the field or court, whatever it is. But what advice would you give a young athlete who feels right now that, man, it, it, it's almost impossible to get to that next step. 
Yeah, well, the odds are long. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. However, you know, I think it starts with confidence. I mean, you've got to have confidence in yourself and confidence in your own ability uh, to be able to get it done. And the second is hard work. I mean, you have got to you got to work hard. You got to dedicate yourself. You got to work harder than the the guy over there that's trying to take your spot. So it's really about hard work and, and dedication along those lines. And then. And the, sec- the third way is, is you've got to figure out a way to make your mark. How do you stand out? How do you separate yourself from the crowd? And so you've got to figure out what that is and how you can do that. And sometimes it's reaching out to the right people. I mean, this is kind of what I tell people who are trying to break into our business. You've got you to get to know people. You, gotta get to, you need to make those relationships and make those contacts. If somebody knows you, uh, knows what you're about, know you've got high character, know you're a, knows you're a hard worker, uh, then you're going to get a shot. You're going to get a shot, and that's where you make your mark. So uh, have confidence, work hard, and and uh, uh, make yourself stand out. One final thing as we wrap up our interview, our 30-minute segment with the commissioner of the Big South, the one and only Commissioner Cal Calander joins us here all the way from Charlotte to Charleston, and we've touched them all in between. Now, uh, the final thing, I'd love for you to give kind of a state of, of, of mind when it comes to uh, where is right now currently the Big South as you guys are getting ready for, let's be honest, that 2020 season. It's coming whether we liked it or ready or not. It, it's here, and it's right in front of us. Where do you uh, see the state of, uh, of the Big South right now currently going forward? I just, I just <clears throat> excuse me, I just really love where we are right now. I mean, we've, we've taken a lot of steps. We've grown. We've expanded. We added USC Upstate and Hampton a couple of years ago. We've got NCANT coming in next year. And you talk about football; uh, that they're a monster. I mean, they will uh, they will give Kennesaw State, Monmouth, uh, any of the others, uh, you know, a huge run for the money. They're going to compete for championships right away. So uh, we're really excited about our membership, our stability, our growth. Uh, you know, we've had uh, you know outstanding. Uh, corporate sponsorship revenue increases this year and support from the corporate community. Um, I just love the people we work with in the Big South. They're they're really class people, uh, really working hard to make us all better, not just each individual institution. They know what we're trying to do as a league. So I I feel great about the conference where we are, and I can't wait to get back on the field, which is going to be this fall, and we're going to be playing. (laughs) <laughs> well, you guys set the standard in the classroom, and it just happens to filter in through the athletics. And I thought a wise man said to me one time, he said, you know, we're here to get an education. We just play sports while we're here. And you guys are doing both of those at a high expectation and a great reward uh, as I see a, a five-star program that you've put together around yourself there, uh, Commissioner. Thank you so much for the time. I'm glad you and your family are doing safe during this very crazy time, and I'm going to go ahead and ask you, when you come to Charleston, and I know it's going to be on the map at some point between August, if not before, and definitely between December, you know, let's stay in touch. We're going to get you in here some more before the season starts, but I'd love to have a chance to sit down with you and grab something to eat. Let's do it. I'd love to. You, 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 you invite me Thank out to Charleston, and, and you, you, there's no way you keep <laughs> me away. Hey, man, this is a prime time spot. This is a destination, if you will. So I got you covered. Yeah, you come down and, and, and Eugene and I, I may even get Eugene to feed you, but we'll definitely take care of you when you get here. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> All right, Commissioner. Thank you very much. God bless you and your family. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Well, always a pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, there he is, and there he goes. As the commissioner from, of course, well, the Big South. Commissioner Calculander joining us all the way from Charlotte, North Carolina. I tell you what, when you got guys that will stop, drop, and answer their phones for you, man, it just speaks volumes of uh, 
well, what they think of you. And I do greatly appreciate him and his family for the time they gave us there for 30 solid minutes. We got to go to break because coming up, we're going to Andrews, South Carolina, Andrews High School alone. And of course, a good friend of mine, Scott Durham, is going to join us next. We got some business to attend to. We didn't get it with the other athletic director, so I'm going to get it from this athletic director. There was an actual article that was released, I believe, either today or yesterday. It was yesterday that I believe some schools around the state of South Carolina not happy with some of the things that have kind of been released. So what are they going to do? Well, they're going to file a complaint, and they're going to get some lawyers involved. We'll get it from the athletics point of view and uh, a few other topics. But this song, of course, uh, when you think about sports, you think about your mama, you think about a lot of things. Coach Cole kind of taught us this over at Somerville during his time of the Green Wave, and he always ended the conversation with, love your mama. And I think every high school coach in the country, I don't care what you're coaching, you always practice what you're preaching. That is love your mom. I heard this song the other day. I figured I'd download it today, and we'll do that as we come back from break. We'll be visiting with the one and only athletic director, head football coach from Andrews, South Carolina's own Coach Scott Durham. Guys, we'll be right back. Got a call from a friend about a friend It's some news no one ever wants to hear It hit me like a punch and took my breath He was just getting into his best years Yes, something like that'll shake you up Wake you up I stopped off at a Texaco Bought a Slim Jim and a Coke Walked out by the water Just to watch that river flow Grabbed my guitar from the backseat Wrote a song just for me I sung it for the blue sky And a couple of oak trees I thought of home Grabbed my phone from my pocket I called Mama It rang a couple times and she picked up I can always hear her smile when I call I just called to tell you that I loved you I was missing you and dad and home, that's all I got to really thinking this morning I was important I stopped off at a Texaco, bought a Slim Jim and a Coke. Walked out by the water just to watch that river flow. Grabbed my guitar from the backseat, wrote a song just for me. I sung it before the blue sky and a couple live oak trees. I thought of home, grabbed my phone from my pocket. And I called Mama. Slim Jim and a Coke 
Park out by the water just to watch that river flow. Grab my guitar from the back seat, write a song just for me. Sing it for the blue sky and a couple live old trees and take a home. Grab my phone from my everybody that song doesn't have uh, every coach in America and I can tell you one in particular very close to me as well of course is uh, coach Joe call that would be his theme song from uh, way back from day one that he came to Somerville and took over the program from his legendary grandfather coach John McKissick now he's over at Oceanside practicing the same thing and you've heard every player that's played for him uh, in this past I'd say two three months come on here and that's the one thing that he talked about is love your mama uh, that was the final phrase that he would use. Now we head back to the hotlines, and of course I'm joined by another man that I can promise you, he preaches at Mandrew, South Carolina, because that's a good old boy town down there, small town USA, where the uh, Yellow Jackets are stinging their way through, uh, well, getting through this COVID-19. Coach, what's up, buddy? How's life? And uh, and I would, I guess I'd say in the, uh, in the Durham High School slash Middle School uh, lifestyle over there. Uh, well, winding down is... <laughs> Yeah, we are wrapping up school, and thank goodness, um, and just kind of sitting in limbo, hoping to get back to work in a couple weeks. Now, I know your situation over there at the house, and I know you're not the principal. Um, I know that for a fact. (laughs) So, with that being being said, has she she made you the assistant principal? Are you still in janitorial stage, or what's your position over there at the school? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much the, I'm pretty much the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> I figured so. <laughs> how's how's the kids doing, man? How's the family? You guys are, I imagine, staying safe. The craziness is happening, by the way. I'm hoping you're not leaving and going northbound because it seems like when Myrtle Beach opened, it allowed not anybody. By the way, if you see these videos, this isn't Myrtle Beach. These are people that are visiting Myrtle Beach. Uh, you know, my yeah. family has now become prisoners in their own town at Surfside, they won't even leave the yard uh, from some of the activity you've seen there. But how crazy is it up there, man? I mean, are you guys seeing that over there in Polly's Island? No, it's pretty calm here. Uh, no, of course, traffic's picked up a little bit. But uh, we actually went out to – well, we went to Moe's today for lunch. So uh, so <laughs> we ventured up to Surfside. But that's about as far north as we want to go right now. Right. Right, that's weird because I saw something, and again, you know, this is this is what we're dealing with. This is affecting our life in sports. Of course, uh, you know, NASCAR is trying to get their thing up and going with the rain and everything that's happening in Darlington. And where they did race on Sunday, which it was it was neat to watch Kevin Harvick win that race. He led most of the laps. We covered it here on the air. We were live with an inside look from one of the haulers, one of the drive, guys that drive the hauler for JJ Ailey, which was kind of a neat thing there, Coach. But you know, when you look at everything, just the craziness in this thing. I mean, do you think that we're, we're they're jumping the gun up there in the Grand Strand and, and in some of the other areas where you know, like I do, once you open the gate, it's hard to contain these cats and individuals that are that are just kind of coming in at bay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think you know we're at a point now where just all the data and the information. I think we've realized that. 
you know, the, would probably overreact to this thing a little bit. And 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 I'm I'm one that's for let's just get back to living life. Um, but at the same time, you know, you do open yourself up to a, a group of you know whatever, just people coming in, you know, in general. Uh, from wherever, and and it seems like they flocked here as soon as they could. Uh, I know we were out, you know, the other day. We actually had to go to uh, North Myrtle Beach. We're getting something at Home Depot, and that's the only one around here that had it. And it's like every third car we saw was from New Jersey or Connecticut or, you know, so New York. So there's a lot of people heading this way. And, and of course, you know, if in normal circumstances, that's the way it would be anyway. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, I, I'm. I don't know. I'm, I'm tired of being at home. I need a doggone haircut, but you can't get near the barber shop because so everybody needs a haircut. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's crazy. I, I don't really know what to make of it. All I just want to, you know, one thing, you know, coaches especially, but but athletes and gentlemen, you know, this as an athlete, you get into a, a routine and a regimen and. And then that gets broken up, and you don't really know how to act. Act, act. you don't know what the heck to do. And uh, you know, I'm just ready to get back into that, where I'm in the, in the groove and 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 doing what, you know, what we're doing, and get back around the kids and and get back to work. Live right now, with Coach Scott Durham. He is the Andrews High School in Andrews, South Carolina's athletic director and head football coach over there, running a. I'd say prestige program. I've uh, got a lot of family in his backyard, and, and not only where he lives, but where he coaches and where he teaches and what he does uh, there Monday through Saturday and sometimes on a Sunday. Uh, of course, uh, Coach, we do appreciate you coming in always. I mean, this is uh, you've been a long-time listener and a huge supporter, even at your days. And we had a guy that you, you know kind of well uh, joined us on Sunday night. Coach Reedy was in here with us on Sunday night. He's another guy that, you know, he'll stop, drop, and hang out with us. It's, uh, he hasn't changed a bit since he got off the football field. No, not a bit. No, I, we went in. Uh, well, back in March, I guess when I was in Charleston for the AD's conference, we went over to the comeback shack and had lunch, and and he was in there, and we ended up just sitting around talking football for two hours. So, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot a lot of fun. You know, good to catch up, and uh, you know, a lot of knowledge there. Is it cool to see all these kids, and, and not only, you know, I say kids because there's some of them are grown men, the Kenlaws continue to, to to carry that name that seems like since the first Kenlaw ever walked the campus of Goose Creek to the last one that's now getting paid millions and billions of dollars to, to play the NFL. And even young Caleb, I think Caleb Kenlaw, of course, I think he gets a shot uh, during some of this situation kind of calms down if he even has to walk out there and, and do it one by one. But when you look at some of these athletes, Coach Durham, when you spent some time at Goose Creek, and we're going to talk some Andrews before I get you out of here too, but, you know, what were one of the athletes? Tremel Terry kind of comes to mind, and I believe he's up on the Grand Strand as well. I'm not sure what he's doing. But, you know, you start to get all these names, Brandon Schell, you know, different guys that you've seen kind of come through that program at Goose Creek. But who kind of stands out to you uh, when you look at it, you know, in a big picture? Matter of fact, we're sponsored by the factory, which, you know, that's another former – uh, Goose Creek Gator, Jamie Fordham, of course, uh, him and a couple of other Gators that run that program. Yeah, um, uh, I believe Kendrick Robinson's involved with that too. And Kendrick sure. was the first quarterback I had, um, you know, at Goose Creek. Kendrick, just a wonderful human being. And, and, and uh, you know, there was no doubt he was going to do great things. And, you know, we had a lot of great kids, 
um, and a lot of great players. And one thing, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it, it was, I think that was the most harmonious uh, place that I'd ever been. I mean, those kids just, they got along, they loved each other, they played for each other. And, you know, we had all kind of, you know, every different background you could think of and just a, just a ton of great kids and probably really two that stick out to me. And these are just kids that I was super close with. One was, uh, was Zach Lavery. Uh, Zach played uh, baseball for me, obviously, but he was also starting wide receiver on the state championship team and uh, made one of the best catches you'll ever see on our first drive in that game on a third down to, to convert and keep us going. And we go in and score, but, you know, Zach lost his parents when he was in the eighth grade. But they were they were hit and killed in a motorcycle accident on their way to uh, Conway to move their uh, daughter into coastal Carolina, and and uh, so he you know he lost his parents at that age and just you know flourished, went on and pitched at the Citadel for four years and and is doing really well now. Um, and then the other guy that I'm probably closest to of all of them is Daquan Marsh. Daquan was the quarterback on our state championship team and. You know, a guy that just unassuming kid, just, just you know, was a running back, came in, we moved him to quarterback in seventh grade, worked his tail off, and, and uh, you know, a lot of people questioned him in the tenth grade, a lot of criticism, you know, and the guy, all, all the guy did was in his last two years was was go, you know, 27-2 and two and, and win a state championship. So, and, and he's a, and, and, and beyond that, he's a great human being, you know, got two kids, um, you know, family down still in Charleston works at uh I don't know one of them defense contractors over there near the water um but uh, just you know we just had a, we had a ton of great kids those are probably the two that stood out the most for me that, you know they overcame a lot and then they're just you know the kids that I was closest to because I coached them personally but there's yeah. so many so many great kids came through that program and and great coaches too I, I we had you know we had some football coaching dudes in that room, some of the best coaches I've ever worked with, and I, I don't have any doubt that 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 we had, you know, the best football staff in the state of South Carolina, and and I'd stack it up with any staff that's ever been in the state of South Carolina. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Another gentleman, and of course, we talked about him on Sunday, and I want to give him some love too because he's actually coaching over at Oceanside, but he's he's doing great things over there, of course, with the Factory Sports and Fitness Training Center in Hanahan is Malcolm Hayward. Uh, I believe he was up for Mr. Football his senior year. He was a beast. Uh, Coach, you know, mentioned that he was kind of, uh, you know, he he was massive. He came in big, you know, just ready to just tear up some stuff. But uh, you get all these guys in there. Some of them are coaching now. Some of them are doing other great things, Coach. Uh, you know, and, and that's got to be a lot of fun. As you're down in Andrews, you're seeing this. But, you know, I, I do want to get you, and I don't want to run out of time before, but, but quickly kind of talk about the mindset of Andrews. And there's one topic I'd like to kind of get your thoughts on. On in a civil in a lawsuit that kind of came out, uh, and it's going to basically be uh, a couple of schools, right? You already knew it was coming. A couple of schools that are not happy with some decisions that were made by the high school league, and of course, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know that 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 high school league, those guys inside, you know the 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 conferences that be it the public schools are going to stick together. We saw it last year where they wouldn't play some of these other schools during the season unless it was a playoff game. Um, you know, first let's talk about Andrews, then we'll get to that as we don't have a lot of time. But what's happening at Andrews and how is that, how is the recruiting coming along with all these kids in the uh, the whole new world of, of Zoom? Well, you know, it's it's coming along. Uh, you know, we're coming off of, uh, our first outright region championship in 25 years and uh, got a lot of kids back. We had uh, 
four kids, uh, you know, off our off our team last year. That are, I mean, we only had nine seniors, and four of them are going to play at the at the next level. Um, two of them are Division One. We got one going to Hampton, uh, and one going to South Carolina State. So, uh, you know, it was a great year, and, and we're looking forward to. You know, this year we like I said we got a lot of kids back, and I think we got a chance to have a pretty good team. You know, not getting to do spring practice obviously hurts, but we're in the same boat as everybody else. We're just we're just ready to go back to work. I, you know, our kids, I get texts all the time. You know, when we're going back, coach, when can we do this? When can we do that? And it's frustrating for me to tell them I don't know, but uh, hopefully, you know, here in a couple of weeks we can get back out on the field and get these kids ready to roll. And I think we got a great group that's looking forward uh, to building on what we did last year. Well, Coach, uh, this is Eugene. I think uh, maybe uh, Richie dropped us or, or lost his uh, picks in there. For no, a second, we're back. But, uh, I'm good. I got you. Yeah. Okay, now, good. I try to mute the mic a little bit there because what happens is is I don't – as I'm moving some things around and I make sure that, that we try to – guys, we try to put everything in, in perspective because I want to try to move this and I don't want to miss out on the questions I've got kind of pulled apart. So I do apologize, uh, guys, on that. But uh, before we run out of a lot of time here, the, the, the one thing that I wanted to catch up with you, and, again, this is coming out, and, again, with you being an athletic director, take off the football head coaching hat, and you get to wear the other cap now, and, and, and look at it from this point of view with uh, these schools now that have, 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 have lawyered up, if you will, and, and they're not happy with the new decisions that are being brought out, and uh, they're going to fight they're going to fight for what they think is right. And, and I don't blame you. you think that's the cool thing about living in America, that you have a chance to, to fight for, for what you believe is the right thing. But kind of tell us, for those who are, who are listening, maybe hearing it, I don't think for the first time, but maybe the, the, the ninth time, you know, what's going on? Why are these schools like Oceanside and Bishop England and Great Collegiate and some other schools around the state of South Carolina? There's some new restrictions put in place, and, and they feel like it's an unfair just and, and again, if I was to say a middleman that watches how this thing worked out in the last couple of years, you, the public schools, be it the Andrews or, or, or the Somervilles or other schools, wouldn't play these schools during the season. It was kind of most, a gentleman's agreement that, look, that we're not going to play them during the year. If we end up playing them during the postseason, it is what it is. But kind of break into, uh, I guess, with the athletic director's hat, where this is going and how do you think this falls out? Well, you know, like I said, it was something that we voted on in Charleston. You know, this is something that the membership decided to do. The, the, you know, there was a proposal put forward. Um, you know, the, the, the two proposals that ultimately are, the, that created this situation were both put forward by um, Ozzy All, who's principal at Rock Hill. And he wasn't putting them necessarily putting them forward to – deal with charter schools he's just tired of kids going wherever they want to go you know it's kind of a madhouse in rock hill you know south point northwestern rock hill those kids bouncing all over the place and and so anyway the the the, the amendments were proposed they were voted on by the membership uh the votes weren't close um you know most everybody approved of them, at least the traditional public schools and and we knew that there was probably, you know, Bishop England has been threatening for years. Every time you want to do something different, they, you know, they're going, they've been threatening to sue. And basically you get to the point where, you know, we all said, uh, you know, my, my thing and several of the ADs in our region was, well, okay, go ahead. Um, you know, at some point you just got to kind of draw a line in the sand and say, Hey, you know, this is, this is fair. This is not fair. Here's what we believe is fair. Here's what we want to do. If you want to challenge it, go ahead and challenge it. 
And, you know, basically, you know, it's not it, – it, here's the thing, and, and all these – I read all these articles and they talk about, you know, harming, you know, their students, harming their students. Well, this isn't going to affect a single student who currently attends Bishop England, Oceanside, Great Collegiate Legion, any of them. doesn't affect them, not, not one single student that's in those schools right now in any way, shape, or form. It's only going to affect potentially future students. And basically – what the membership did was put those schools, those private schools, those public charter schools, in the same boat as a high school that is the only high school in its district, like Woodland. Um, Woodland can only get kids from their attendance area, from their school district. If so, if a kid comes from outside their school district, that kid's got to sit out. And so... Now those charter schools, whereas you know Oceanside, for an example, Oceanside can't get a kid from anywhere in Charleston County. That kid's got to come from, I guess Lucy Beckham is now their attendance zone. Otherwise, he's got to sit out. So it kind of puts them on the same footing as those single, uh, single high school districts. Ultimately, is is what it does. And you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I hope the high school league stands firm and 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 goes to bat. And you know, ultimately, it'll be in the hands of a court at some point. Well, I tell you, it could be uh, – it's going to get a little more interesting probably than not, Coach. Uh, when we get it to – actually, I'm going to try to squeeze you back in maybe Thursday or Sunday, and I want to put you on a project. I'd like to get you, your principal, and maybe another coach. You pick another coach and two players. I'd like them to be seniors, and I'd like to do a, a campus tour at Andrews High School in Andrews, South Carolina. I need your principal, of course. You're the athletic director, so we kind of do like Coach LaPrade. we got the football coach and the athletic director in one. And if we could squeeze in another coach, you pick her or him, it doesn't matter who, uh, and then a couple of senior athletes who had to forego their senior season, uh, I'd appreciate the help there because I, I do want to give an opportunity for our, our schools, our administrators, our teachers, you know, all of these uh, individuals who have had to really step up their A game during the off season. Uh, and, and it is, I guess, like an off season right now because you're homeschool teachers and you didn't sign up for that. Uh, I'd love the opportunity to, to get that over there at Andrews. Yeah, no problem. We'll see, we'll see what we can get done there. Well, again, and I appreciate it. You tell me, listen, I'm going to tell you the same thing, man. There's a lot of kids here at Goose Creek that came through your came through y'all's lanes via her classroom when she was at Goose Creek. And, of course, the field with you, you were also the baseball coach with the Gators. You uh, were a teacher over there as well. Uh, but uh, a lot of people still talk talk about you guys in a highly famed way and uh, even all the way from Tramel Terry, of course, anytime I mention him, we always talk about you guys and a lot of other guys and girls who, uh, you know, I mentioned you guys and everybody's like, man, I remember going by her class or going by his class. And, you know, the effect that you teachers have, I know you're, coach, you're a coach as well, an athletic director. Uh, I don't want to oversight that as well, their uh, coaches. Uh, we appreciate the hours and energy that you're giving. And uh, tell Eli to hurry up, get right, man. I think he's going to be the up-and-coming guy, hopefully, Right for the uh, for the Yellow Jackets, as he'll be, I guess, going after that starting position for a quarterback, right? Yeah, uh, you know he played you know about half the time last year, and uh, you know going into it, he'll be the be the guy that takes the first snap anyway, and we'll we'll see what happens from there. But uh, you know, just excited about that, excited about going back to work, and appreciate all the kind words. You know, we had just nine just great years at Goose Creek. Actually, my wife was there for 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but right. just, just it, it's a great place. There were so many negative connotations about Goose Creek. You know, I, I you know, 
you know, be in Mount Pleasant shopping or whatever, and somebody you get in a conversation and you ask what you're doing to them, you teach, and they say wearing, you say Goose Creek, and they say, oh, I'm sorry, and I, you know, tell them, look, ain't nothing to be sorry about. You know, Goose Creek's a great place with great kids. You know, there was a bad element there, sure, but there's bad elements everywhere. But it was a great, great community, great group of people, and uh, you know, it was, it was a wonderful time, and uh, will always, uh, always be a special place to us, and and. Uh, you know, maybe back there one day, but I doubt it because, gosh, there's too many doggone people down there now. <laughs> <laughs> we got the modes, man. They're waiting on you. Somerville's missing out, man. But uh, I'm coming home for Memorial Day weekend. I'll be up at the beach on Memorial Day weekend. So uh, we're going to have pencil in a date up there at Moe's, man. But uh, I, I want to yeah. say that before I get you off the air. Scott, you've, you've been you've been first class with me, man. You know, I'm proud of you as a coach. I'm proud of you as a father and, and, and a husband, man. You, you kind of set the tone and – and you've always supported me in my dream here at Southern Sports Central, and it means a lot to me personally. And, uh, you know, I'm not one of those dudes that think I can get anywhere by myself. And uh, because of you and, uh, and the pushing and the conversations and, the, hey, man, do this, do that, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate it, buddy. Oh, yeah. I always, uh, always glad to help. And, and uh, you know, you guys do a great job. And we really appreciate, you know, the coverage that, that high school sports gets and that, that you guys do. I mean, it's, it, you know, it seems like every year we get less and less statewide, uh, you know, coverage in, at the high school level. So, you know, we appreciate what you guys do and uh, and all the hard work. And, and I'm always happy to, to join in and put in my two cents worth. And, of course, you know I ain't afraid to say what's on my mind. So, nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> whatever you need, I'm always there. That you got it, bud. I'm going to catch up with you off the air, man. Tell the family I said hello from all of us to you, man. Much love, and we'll talk to you next time, Coach. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. There you go. The AD, the head football coach, and uh, Andrew's very own, Coach Scott Durham, joined us there to wrap it up. I want to thank all of our guests here today that joined us on the Tip Farm Hotline and all the listeners who tuned in today. Hopefully you enjoyed Ken Brown's version, of course, from the high school blitz. Of course, he was joined by one of the uh, guys that's going to coach uh, the up-and-coming big-time game over there. Coach Smitty joined us in hour number two. Hour one had Reginald Walker, of course, played for Joe Pa. He also has a lot to do with Gardner-Webb and UNC Charlotte. And then, of course, Sokon John came out of the woodwork. How about that? We got him out of, uh, out of the uh, hiding, if you will, to talk about all the ins and outs of the Southern Conference and uh, what's happening at, of course, Furman. And then hour two was loaded with a commissioner from the Big South, Commissioner Cal Calander, always first class, and joined us to kind of give us a state of the mind with the Big South and then wrapping it up with Coach Durham. So, Eugene, man, I know your fingers are killing you, man, and I appreciate you. And, again, uh, I couldn't do a lot of this without you, man. I, I do, of course, expect on Thursday, <clears throat> I clear my throat, to see you here because we're going to try to figure this out, guys. We're going to either do a Facebook Live on Thursday or we may dibble-dabble with some YouTube, but we're going to see what we can do to get into this live feed as uh, we're going to get back into uh, the normal routine. And uh, A lot of good things are happening as uh, we're working with a lot of things behind the scenes. And as they come to tuition, Eugene and I will, of course, uh, get the word out. Hey, congratulations to your kickers, man. Real proud of those kids over there. And, um, much love, dude, and look forward to doing it again Thursday night, Eugene. Yes, sir. Stay safe. I'll see you Thursday. Wow. Eugene with less words every time. <laughs> oh, boy. You got to love yeah. it, man. I got to remember. Hey, look, I, I brought you out of a courtroom, man, so I'm used to you being long-winded, man, but it's with love and heart that you do what you do, and I can't say it enough. Looking forward to it. We got a lot of things happening. 
Uh, we are very excited about our connection to the South Carolina Youth Football Association. We're going to be doing some things with those guys as well. But if you would like to help us, come on board. Follow us at Southern Sports Central on Facebook and on Twitter at SO Sports Central. And you can find us over there on Instagram at Southern Sports Central, guys. God bless. Take care. We'll do it again Thursday night. Loaded show already. We'll release it here in a few, guys. God bless. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Or excuse me. We'll see you Thursday night. Touching hands, reaching out, touching me.